thing that got me is your power steering. It is like power steering. It gives you what I like about it is when you go in, yeah, and you're modulating your like the you're modulating your power steering with your two fingers, and that's what trail braking you, is. You have your these two fingers are so sensitive. Yeah. That you're down, like I was trying to get like half, like right in the middle of the suspension. Right. When I would go in, yeah. I would have really good braking, and I could I could make my the bike steer basically by adding a little brake or letting up on the brake, and it's you could come weird. out or in like you could slide this way or slide this way very easily yeah. instead Just of by trying a to tiny to amount lean. of pressure. Yeah. And you don't have to lean harder; it pulls you into that, or yeah. it lets you it like lets you. Go out. So, Sling. to me, it's so much better because you have so much more control and it's instantaneous, yeah. and it's not like you have to, you know, like you. you I think whatever. Phil said last week. It's like, are you in control if something goes south, or are you along for the ride? It was well, you need to be in control. I mean, and, I felt so much in control. And the you first are in time. control. I was. I took that. I was riding the twisty part. I so the last time, the last bike I took out was that one. Oh, your Yamaha. Yeah. The dirt bike. On knobbies. I mean, on like, well, trail. I mean, they're like. Podcast listeners, we're talking about Pete uh, Pete and Steve are discussing the trail breaking that we talked about two episodes ago, I think, or last episode. We talked about trail breaking. And so Steve went out and did his own introduction to trail breaking on three different motorcycles. Right. Just to get the feel of, of what trail breaking is. Yeah. I mean,. For each bike, because and if you, you do one, it doesn't necessarily... memory. Right. Yeah. And so you can... Ju- I mean, since I have so many bikes, I figured you might as well learn on more than one bike because it'll give you yeah. an idea of really what trail braking is versus on one bike, you might be doing it incorrectly. And if you're doing it incorrectly and you take that yep. to the next bike, maybe you're not even doing trail braking. So, <laughs> um, but... And so you were trail braking on the vintage Yamaha trail bike. Right and ironically, trail breaking. The Vintage Yamaha trail breaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah with well, I heard trail breaking. I, I thought of a whole different thing. That's well, that's the problem. Is the naming the naming structure of the technique is trailing off the brakes. You know. Right and and I how did that work for you on? Well, by the my last run, cold asphalt. Let's say. Well, the asphalt was really greasy too. I yeah, mean, it was like I did. I did get some. Uh, Wash, you know, I, I yeah. got some wash on, on every bike, right? But I ended up my last run on this bike, let's just say, was almost a hundred percent faster yeah. than how I've ever gone through that third section of the park, exactly. Yeah, and and I and I felt and I'm before when I would do it the other way, yeah, I felt like I was sl- like out of control, yep. almost because you're coming in because you're, you're coming in hot, yeah, and, you're, and then you're coasting through, right. And you don't want to add brake. You don't want to add brake in the middle of the turn. And that's the funny thing is with trail braking, when I do experience understeer, when I experience the front tire starting to lose grip or starting to weave, like move out from its traction package, it's less, it's not violent. It's like, hey, guess what? We have now reached our traction package. We would like to remind you that if you continue this behavior, you're going to be tasting asphalt. It's not like, oh shit, it's going to happen now. Because everything with that idea of already being on the lever, gradual inputs get gradual results. Explosive oh, yeah. inputs get explosive results. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it's, mil- it's, it's 
it's in fractions of yeah, millimeters yeah, it's, that yeah. make a big difference. And yeah. of course, that bike isn't the best because it's got a drum oh, up front. Come so, on, I mean, it's a thousand reasons of not being the right bike for the job. It's got antique suspension in the front. Its fork tubes are the size of my finger. Its springs inside and oil inside is probably not cutting edge racing technology. And like you said, it's a drum brake. Right. And it's a 21 inch block style tread trials tire. You know, uh, none of that is instills cornering confidence. But I did it on my PC. Yeah. And yeah. I did it on one of my scooters. I mean, I did yeah. it on a side three, like, weight bikes. I went from like a 150 pound bike to, wow. uh, to a uh, like 200 whatever pound bike yeah. to a, a, a 500 pound bike. Shit. But each one exhibited almost the same behavior regardless of the tire. I mean, it. it the, it it demonstrated the same physics. Yeah. It didn't. It might not necessarily have been as good because you know well, different the brakes are shit. Well, you know how yeah. they are, but they but they're still better than the other ones. Mm -hmm. But uh, the physics are the same. So if you understand the physics of the motion of the bike and yeah. what's going to happen to the front end when you adjust the front brake and lay on the, like the throttle position and uh, braking. Then you understand. You could take it to any bike you ride, yeah. and I think it's much. I feel much safer. Trading now. off the brakes for the gas is the is the skill point. Trading off, yep. like making the trade off between braking hard into the turn, gently relinquishing the brakes, and trading the brakes for the gas, the thrust. So trading stopping for thrusting, or trading braking for thrusting, and doing it just delicately and smoothly, like seamlessly. You know, yes, and seamlessly. And that's, that's what, I don't know if we were Eliminating recording before. the violence. When we were talking about the pendulum swing. Yeah. When the weight on a pendulum swings, you transition from swinging downward to swinging upward, and it's almost a paradox that when it reaches the bottom, it's not going upward or downward. No, but exactly. It, but because it's on a curve, right. it's seamless. It's seamless. And so you're going from one to the other right. without any... That's a very there, the there's pendulum. No, there's nothing abrupt yeah, about the it. The pendulum analogy is extremely good because a pendulum makes a 180 degree turn at both ends, and yet it does it seamlessly. Is it fair to say that you're actually applying throttle and brake at a certain sometimes, point? Sometimes, and sometimes you're almost power jacking the bike through. The I car. have caught myself doing that, where what I'm essentially doing is, if I'm going into an unknown corner, that you know it's a variable. Motorcycling is a variable. I don't know every turn I'm going through. So if I'm doing something new, I'm covering the brake, I've done my entrance braking, I'm now trail braking, I'm letting it go, yeah. and at some point I'm going to go, okay, I've bled enough off, I've got a clear exit now, give me the, give me the juice, Bob, and I'm going to be making that transition, and I'll bet you that it overpass. I bet you they overlap each other. They do. They I would do. Say so. you know, I'll bet you. If we, if we took engine diagnostics or we took tele tele uh, telemetry, I'm sure that what you would see is that my throttle position and my brake activity were both in the positive numbers at the same time. Because, like, you know, like yeah. leaving a little bit of finger on the front brake as you yep. start powering out. Yep. Yes. And I, yeah. I think we talked about that when we first discussed this yeah. last week or two weeks ago, whatever it was, about having all the slop out of the brake, too. Yeah. You've preloaded the brake so that the pads aren't rattling in the caliper. Yeah. They're, they're, they're bedded against the the uh, rotor or the drum, whichever you're... And you're providing riding. active control of the operation of your suspension and the operation of your brakes. Yes. You're not letting it happen. You're part of the game. Yeah. The only time I felt... Okay, so the one... Okay, I, I failed to mention I did it on my 
BMW too. Oh, you did. So my R eleven fifty, which 50, has yeah. the cantilever the front yeah. suspension, telelever front tele- suspension, tele- yeah. telelever front suspension, and that was weird. Be, well, I no, was, that was weird. Well, those are supposed like, to be no, anti dive, right? You know, yeah, so. but what I'm saying is, it was no, like you couldn't you couldn't tell load the, position. the front end. You couldn't. I mean, I guess you could load it, but it didn't. But you didn't like really it. know what position it was in. Mm-hmm. I and mean, I like said you, the same thing when I got my first police bike, my first RTP. Yeah. Is the first when I first got that RTP and I tried to drive it aggressively, I felt this vagueness. I didn't feel like I was getting good feedback from the front end, and I, I, misidentified it as being. If you look at the fork tubes on a BMW that has a telelever front suspension, the fork tubes stop just shy of the top triple clamps. So the yeah. fork tubes go up, and you're like, they're about to go into the top triple clamps, and then they don't. There's like air gap between the two. It's really weird because the telelever is doing all the work. The suspensioning is happening down here. And I thought that I was getting this vague feeling of the front end because of that design. And now I think you've nailed it. I think on your R1150 and my RTP, my R1100 RTP, I had that same feeling. Because when I got that RTP was when I started experimenting with trail braking. I started using the technique on that RTP. And I also lost a coil, too, when I was riding. So okay. I lost one. That's got the dual plugs. Yeah, dual plugs, yeah. So it was still running, but, yeah. I, but I lost a coil, and I was getting, like, weird. You getting a weird stutter? So I ordered a couple coils. Okay. They'll be in this week. But, but that bike was odd compared to doing it on the other three. Right. There was a noticeable difference between that. But I, but really, I mean, I think I'm like at five percent now. Like I need ninety five percent more practice. To yeah. Be, this is only like the very like sticking your toe in the trail breaking pond, and I don't think that's. I mean, I think I have how many like times one toe in have it. we gone out for rides? John and I just doing stuff like reconning the DGR ride and everything else. I have been, I've been systematically adding trail breaking to my riding for a very long time now, and. It has given me, I don't need a stopwatch. I feel more confident. I feel safer. So I feel more confident. I feel safer. I feel better in control of the bike when I'm trail braking than when I'm not. And I, when I'm riding like the KLR or something with a big knobby on it, um, I had those Kendas on the Scrambler, which I don't trust. I don't like those Kendas on the Scrambler at all, on the Moto Guzzi. And I would try to trail brake and the front end would start to walk on me pretty fucking quickly. And it's... And it was enough to make me go like, okay, well, I guess I can't trail brake on this bike. Well, I think in that case, it's shitty fucked up tires. And I think that on my KLR, I've got those uh, trail wings tires on it, which I don't like trail braking on those. They, they, they don't give me any confidence at all. Really? The fact I, that you were doing yeah. it on your Yamaha, your dirt bike, your XT. Those tires are actually pretty good. Yeah. The, the tires that I never liked are, I want to say they're Z5s or... Who's the manufacturer? Um, I can't remember because I bought two sets of them, and they're like the variable, variable. Um, we like the same oh, so material, but right. they tighten the weave in the center, okay. so it's yeah. supposedly harder or something. Right. Yeah, and they're but what would happen is the center, the sides would wear. Yeah, and they then you have a hump. Yeah, you get a hump in the middle. And yeah. then that thing, you'd roll off that when you try to go into a turn, yeah. you roll off that, and you'd be like. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm going to make a thousand corrections in this one turn. And I will <laughs> never, I will never buy those tires again. And I, I'll, I'll get, I'll figure out what they are. But they're like yeah. Z fives oh or something, and they were supposedly the shit, but they were shit. They're shit. Um, Twelve minutes in the podcast, we're going to do our official launch. <laughs> uh, to my left is Nick Devito, and to his left, Steve Hofford, and Johnny Mac. And Pete Hemsley. And your humble narrator, Phil Waters. Uh, yes, I love that <laughs> sound. Good launch, boys. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we've had a busy week here. You know, we were nigh on 60 degrees yesterday, and then a little bit chilly today. So spring is happening in Cleveland. Whether we like it or not, St. Paddy's Day is the harbinger of our season. Let's us know what's going on. 38 degrees and snowing. 38 degrees and snowing for St. <laughs> Paddy's Day, pretty much. Let's uh, it's, it's give a real truth here though St. Pag's Day is only a celebration that we're halfway to Oktoberfest that's correct that's true we're halfway to Oktoberfest that's brilliant <laughs> the other drinking holiday we uh, know the Germans can really drink the Germans well, the Germans everybody who everybody in Cleveland who becomes Irish for like <laughs> half a day or, uh, until they're until they're too drunk to walk uh, why doesn't everybody become German on Oktoberfest I don't think it's a lot we won't have them yeah, that's exactly are, right. People, yeah. have, you are not allowed to be Look, German. The Irish will take there's, there's anyone. A for, there's a word for it. It's called Untermensch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Untermensch. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There ain't. People are gonna be like, "Oh, look, I'm gonna put on some lederhosen and go out and trot and pretend to be German." They'll yeah. sniff you out in nine seconds. <laughs> You're not gonna get halfway through your first fucking pretzel, and they're gonna know exactly what's up. Yeah, they always. Yeah. I'm half German. You they, fa- you can pass. Yeah, but they yeah. sniff out the Lebanese half. So. <laughs> I think I, I smell grape leaves. Did your parents I move smell. to Argentina in 1945? <laughs> I'm half German and I'm 100% drunk. So. <laughs> oh, you're one of the Argentinian Germans. Yes, I understand. <laughs> yes, so you still use Reichsmarks. So good. <laughs> Um, so we've had a lot of movement around here. As you can see, there's a large gaping... Gape hole. Gape hole. Yeah, there's a... Yeah. It's, it's what I call my happy hole. So the happy hole is behind where I normally am sitting. There used to be a row of carburetors with motorcycles hooked to them. And now there is a, a, a vacant area where there are two fuel injectors... Well, I'm sorry, DRZ's still got a carburetor. Mm. There's our project bike, our Suzuki uh, GSXR that we got to build a sidecar rig onto. And then there's nothing but space, and then Chris Smith is super hawk. What's that still doing here? Well, I tried, but... Well, your drunk friend was supposed to buy it two weeks ago. Oh. Eric? Did he really say that? He was... He was all over that bike. He was all over that nine seconds before he offered to fight all of us. Oh, really? Yeah. I missed that. I didn't know we were that good. You were good. Did I miss the fight? No, no, no. Frickin' frack over there came in nine sheets... <laughs> Nine sheets loaded, and then when they got to twelve sheets, Opie, it, Opie over here says, "I think Eric and I can take you." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that was the whiskey, right? Didn't you bring that? Was the night of down? good bourbon? Yeah, yeah. yeah. more yeah. bourbon. That I was the night of more bourbon. Yeah, a lot of that. I it happens. I don't need bourbon. Well, again, I love you, John. You are one of my favorite people on the planet, but bourbon does make you punchy. <laughs> and grabby and grabby exactly yeah there's not enough lovable. yeah that is one of those like <laughs> stimulus really. packages that is not a good stimulus package we did go down to smedley's oh you did for quite a while oh really you went <laughs> down to close smedley's mike was followed came and showed back up 
He did? Yeah, and then he, uh... Wow. He wouldn't drive home with us. Go there figure. was that. It was pretty, yeah. Yeah. Got a case of the fear. I vomited all day on Saturday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that'll happen. Bourbon. Yeah, I, I still love it. it. Yeah, I still enjoy it. So yeah, that's cool. So all the most of the carburetors have disappeared. The the Berserker, Zerker, the CB750 is in the back, getting ready for its new owner, who has been gracious enough to pay us um, up front for the motorcycle. The Bandit, the flamethrower Bandit, left. What, so, is, what was wow. the final synopsis? So the final synopsis of that is um, some. It was awesome. I love the. Video. It was beautiful. The video was great. Um, three Some foot, people would pay to make their bike do that. They would. Um, but it turns out if you own a bandit, all you have to do is leave it in the prime setting. Oh. So the fuel taps on those bandits have on, reserve, and prime. What they really need is a fucking off. Hmm. You know? And uh, these are vacuum-operated fuel taps, or vacuum-assisted fuel taps. And the idea is if there's no vacuum coming off the motor, the diaphragm goes into the relaxed position, which shuts off the fuel. But if you put it in prime, it bypasses the vacuum operation part of the tech. It pushes the diaphragm open. So there's a little cam on the end of the fuel control valve handle that when you go to prime, it pushes the diaphragm open, allowing gravity, a cruel mistress indeed, to take eight pounds per gallon and the bandit has many gallons. per second squared. And shove it, yes. and, And to allow Mother Earth to try to pull all those dead dinosaurs back into itself. (laughs) So Mother Earth wants to take all the dead dinosaurs, fossil fuels, back into being fossils because gravity's a bitch. And what happened is the crankcase filled up with, by my measure, I got tired of measuring it at 5.75 quarts. Oh, my God. A motorcycle that has an oil supply of roughly 3 quarts had 5.75 quarts when I got tired of measuring it worth of what I like to call about a 61% two-stroke mix. I say you should have taken that (laughs) fuel-oil mix and you could put it right in your weed weed whacker. Or any Vespa. Yeah. I just don't know at what point somebody thought it was a good idea to get rid of overflows on the carburetor. Again, also... I understand I don't like having gas all over the floor, but I don't really like having gas in my oil. Because as Emma is from Motorcycles Misfits has said it, one of three things can happen. One is... The bike can fail to start. Two is the bike can start, albeit very rich, and you get a fireball out the tailpipe like we did. And the third is that it all can happen at one time, and then the boom is really, really loud. Yes. And then parts can escape the motor. The internal can, combustion engine becomes an external combustion. You can engine. hydrolock the motor if. Well, that's what I've had happen before. Because too. that so cylinder, the cylinders are filling up with gas yep. before they leak down around the rings. Right. And if this cylinder is full of gas. And, and those under fires, yeah. bam, yeah. you You've dump got a rod. one cylinder full of gas and three that aren't. Yeah. So there are three that are trying to hydrolock the one. Yeah. And it's amazing how much power explosions make. Go figure. Yeah. So it gets us down the road at 100 miles an hour. Road, right? <laughs> that, that's, that happened to the Yurgle that I bought a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah? The carbs uh, were leaking. Yeah. It, Filled up the cylinders. Mm-hmm. I pulled the plugs out because I never started. And not a urinal. The cylinders are yeah, and there's horizontal. no way for it to. Yeah, all right. So I pulled the plugs out and I kicked it and I took a shit shower. And oh, I'm sure I'm you did. You, I was covered in oil and and gasoline. And then so I, did you pull both plugs? You're like out? a true Russian at that. Point. Everything got covered in the out? whole garage. Got covered with gasoline. Uh, and, you thought you were Jed Clampett. 
And then I pulled seven quarts of uh, out of the crank. Out of out of two stroke. Right. You pulled seven quarts of. That's like 80% gas oil. Gas oil the whole thing was filled, the, in, the yeah. entire thing was filled up to the dipstick. Two to one. Yeah. yeah. What's wow. your mix ratio? Two to one. Or one to old uh, Rizlo and motor flush. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those babbitted bearings were no longer bad. They were no longer babbitted. You could call it cheesy, but on almost every bike that I've owned that has a vacuum tab, yeah. I install an inline tab. In an inline tab. Mm-hmm. A secondary so, tab. So that right. when I turn it off, yeah. I can then also... Really and those enough. little ones that they sell at Lowe's or, or Home Depot that have the little red knob on mm-hmm. them that are for your lawnmower actually do work the treat. So they hold up pretty well. For they a do. While. You can get a year or two out of them. Yeah, yeah. And if it's if it's that or have a non-trusted vacuum tap, eh, I just that. like at some point, you know, if I'm just pulling, stopping for a mm-hmm. minute, I don't bother. Right. But if I'm going to be parking the bike. I need to know that it's off. If my motorcycle doesn't have a fuel injector, I'm shutting the fuel tap off 45 seconds to a minute before I shut. That's the motor idea. off. Great idea. Because, because yeah. fuck it, man. Um, That's a good idea. As, you, as I was joking earlier, I was like, what's behind me? Take that one to the bank, kids. Yeah. What's behind me is like 17 less carburetors than there were a month ago. And I'm a happier man because of it. I still yeah. see a lot of carburetors. Well, all those vintage Vespas and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But they're one apiece and they're small. <laughs> yeah. Nick, you're like 20 years younger than the rest of us. You got like, um, you know, many years of like self like abuse. That's true. He's flagellation. Got flagellation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Carbureted, carburetor inspired flagellation. You have like cracked up fingers from just oh. carb cleaner from cleaning cars. <laughs> I can tell light. you what various different carb cleaners light. taste like. Oh, God. Mm. I can tell you what different carb cleaners feel like in my eyeballs. I've uh, I've actually disavowed my sponsorship by gum out. I won't buy gum out. You won't buy gum out? Really? really? Gum out I'm done. Really. You know why? Because the tips kept popping off. Oh, the tips, uh, the tips fail. They've been very fragile, and yeah. I've had, I'm like, like the last six cans of, I haven't been able to use the whole can before it's broken the tip off. Damn you, gum out. Damn. Have we gone, have we gone with the chem, chem tool? Chem well, tool. Yeah, mm-hmm. chem tool's solid. I love that shit. Yeah. Okay, question for you. Oh, boy. Do any of you guys use synthetic oil? No. Right? Uh, yes. In my car. Yeah, synthetic oil. Okay. That's all I use. So, just ballpark, what would you pay for a quart of good synthetic oil. What do you think is a fair price for a quart of good synthetic oil? A fair oil? price, or what do you think the going price is? What do you think you would pay? Yeah, I'll tell I mean, you what I do pay. Cheap. No, you're no. Tight. But what I I've always used genuine BMW oil in right. my BMWs, which I realize is I think I believe it's Spectro Oil right now is the one okay. that provides They're it. BMW, it. Yeah. BMW does not have an oil factory, no, they so don't. they buy it from someone. It's fifteen dollars a quart. Fifteen, 15 sixteen dollars a quart. Yeah, absolutely right. So. And that's what we, and we sell oil here too. But again, and, it's and cheap our, insurance. If if you're going to change your oil, right, once or twice a year, and it's forty five dollars worth of oil to yeah. buy three quarts of oil, you got it. So be it. That's cheap insurance it's, because how, how you'll spend forty five dollars on some chicken wings and a few beers at the corner bar, you know, whatever. That's exactly right. So to to put that money into my motorcycle, I'm not going to cheap out on oil. Right, and I think the consensus and I'm cheap, is like you said. You are. I mean, I'm frugal. You're frugal. I've got money I haven't even spent yet. You're careful. <laughs> <laughs> You're careful. Okay, go ahead. What do you? I mean, when you buy, Ten. Do, what do you run? Ten a quart. Ten a quart. Amsoil. And you run Amsoil, right? And I spent over twelve hundred bucks on oil last year. Jimmy, really? Christmas wow. for the factory for the plant. No, for no, my, for your personal my consumption. For my personal consumption. Jesus Christ! Because wow. I have so many bikes to change the oil on. It's at ten dollars a quart. You're talking you you put 120 quarts of oil. Because I have no, how many cars do I have? Right, my, my, his my, fleet. Who's asking the questions here? 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I don't think he was answering your question with a question. I think he was giving you a justification. Okay. No, I'm giving you my one diesel truck takes 12 quarts of oil. Exactly. Mm -hmm. right. So just the one truck takes a case of oil. Yeah. And a case is like 300 bucks. Right. I mean, like, whatever. It's Would you like me to change your world? Yes. How would you like to drink the finest oil on the planet for $4.57 a quart? Walmart? It is Walmart. That's what I buy. That's so it I turns cover. out that right now, if you're uh, willing and to... And the student becomes the teacher. Well, <laughs> so if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a long time, you'll know that I believe that on the eighth day, God said, all of you creatures I put on this planet, and all of your vegetation, and all of the things that are carbon-based life forms on this planet, will someday die. And you will make moderately good oil. <laughs> then humans will come along and decide that that's not good enough. And the shell company will create a product called Rotella. God hath mm -hmm. made, I can make better. Rotella! Rotella's a diesel oil, right? Yes. I use Rotella in all the old cars. For the record, Rotella T6 is God's own oil. Rotella T6 5W40 has gotten... Every SV650 I've ever owned around the racetrack, at maximum tick, at maximum chat, as fast as the motor will go on the back straight of mid-Ohio, and not changing it nearly frequently enough, because this dumbass had a power stroke diesel, what held 15 quarts of oil, and didn't need to have it changed but every 15,000 miles. So I thought, if it's good enough for that power stroke diesel, it's going to run forever in my SV. When, when, I didn't even know. Okay, when yeah. you ask if it, if we use synthetic, yeah, that's what I've always bought is the big jug of big jug of Rotella. That's yeah. what I've been using. And for so T six Rotella. So Rotella comes in all these different flavors, yeah. right. but sort of the the high water mark. I didn't even realize that was synthetic. I just it is. It was yeah, the Rotella T six is full synthetic, mm. and the trick to it is every once in a while. And and here's a tip from your Uncle Phil: is in the gallon jug, which is actually a fun gallon because it usually has. Oh, five quarts in it. Or it's four it's, liters, maybe. It's a baker's gallon. Yeah. Yeah, it's a baker's <laughs> gallon. You get that extra quart there for free. But um, right now, Walmart.com is having a sale, and it's 412 doll hairs. So you got to go with your friends. But it's $412 for a nine-pack of 2.5-gallon gal jugs, right? So, Yeah. So it's, a, it's 90 quarts. 90 quarts. This might even supply you for a while. I was going to say, I don't use 90 quarts in three years. Exactly. Well, they have smaller quantities. The discount diminishes. The mm. power of the discount diminishes. But yes, a nine-pack of 10-quart bottles is only $412. It comes out to $4.57 a quart. And if I went to any of my motorcycle manufacturers, or if I went to any of my oil distributors, you know, Bell Ray, uh, Motul, anybody, and said, you know, Castrol, what do you got? Can you buy a drum of that? Yes, you can. This is actually cheaper. <laughs> I priced it out. I priced out a 55-gallon drum. Well, it's technically a 50-gallon drum. But I priced out a 50-gallon drum it's of Rotella T6 5W40 against buying it in these 2.5-gallon plastic containers. 
it's actually cheaper to buy it as the nine pack with the sale that's happening right now. What's the shelf life of synthetic Forever. oil? Okay. Yeah, it's our lifetime. I mean, how old were those nine dinosaurs? That's true. They made it from? <laughs> what do we have in this little hip flask? I'm always cautious when I drink out of a hip flask. So it could be hips in it. <laughs> it's been way too close to the boys. That's drinkable. That's it, Lafroig. Remember we had the Lafroig yeah, scotch? Yeah, It's super smoky scotch. It is years, super uh, smoky. It was like a year ago, I think we, yeah. we, we drank it. But, uh, yeah, that is super smoky. I can have my Lafroig. So kick ass. So any, if anybody wants to get their friends uh, together and buy $412 worth of oil, you'll end up with 90 quarts of oil. I'm in for $12 worth. Right, exactly. And so the idea is four fifty-seven a quart. Um, as a dealership, I'm going to tell you, I can't buy synthetic that cheap. There's just no way. And I Okay, I, what, what's the... Um, API service code for that oil. It's JSO MA2. So okay. we're going to forget about API. We're going to go straight to the JSO. Japanese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. we're going to go straight to the J. The JSO standard is so higher. MA, MA2 yeah. should be good for Anything. any four-stroke yeah. Honda. I think BMW calls for the same. MA2. I checked, and there's no motorcycle built on planet Earth that can't run it. Hmm. So it's and a high-performance... What's that? It's good for safer motorcycle safer clutches. clutches. Yep, and that's when you're buying oil and you're buying when you want to get weird and you want to get freaky and you want to get like rub a little weird on you. Start looking at all the different oils that are JSO MA2. No, no. When I want to get weird and rub oil on myself, I don't use anything that's yeah. like uh, yeah, it's, it's different oils. Astroglide. I get it. Yeah. Uh, all water based. Water based. <laughs> Astroglide JSO MA2. I gotta I gotta warn everyone. Yeah. Though we are kicking the devil in the dick right now. And asking for it to come back in spades. Oh yeah, it is. When we start talking talking about oil, oh, it's the like, worst thing you do. Uh, it's Ford versus tires. Chevy. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, exactly. It's Ford versus so, Chevy. I was going to say something. Petrochemical there, engineers, uh, lay it on us because yeah, here it comes. I, I it's can been a I while. can smell it. It's been a while. Yeah. Right, it's been a while. We haven't had this discussion for a good long time. And uh, yeah, petrochemical engineers are oh. very interesting people to have a meal with. Yes. You know, well, you really uh, do want their oh, interesting is the right word, but well, um. they're akin to jaguar owners. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> they're at that same level of you know yeah. interest. Yeah. yeah. So they, uh, but yeah, that's I mean, it's an interesting thing because like historically, fifteen dollars per quart is about where motorcycle oil tends to live. For, that would save me five hundred bucks. Yeah, exactly. For vintage motorcycles, I am scared. Of synthetic oil. Yes, yes. me too. Um, yeah, I've added it's, to every. I've added synthetic oil to every vintage motorcycle I've really? ever had. And this and is it, the this is the game, right? Yeah. And I think I've only had one leak. It was. Let me think which one it was. It was a, a CL100, mm-hmm. and it was one of the. It was the. Uh, Gear shift seal, shaft? Gear shift shaft. Yeah, gear seal. shift shafts are always Because good. it was yeah. a tiny little, sh- it's yeah. smaller than your pinky. I, and it got, and I pulled it out, I put a new one in, stopped leaking, no issue. And you get some weepage around the, uh, like on the CBs, you get weepage around the uh, tack, Cat tack tack cable, yeah. and, uh, but other than that. But, would I not get that weepage? Right, I guess. I guess you might if I continue regular. to use regular oil, right. would it be less likely to get the weepage? And no. what Pete says <laughs> is, it's cheap insurance. And like his thing is, the idea of there being a thermal event, thermal breakdown, whatever. Mm-hmm. It is the idea of synthetic oil is it is supposed to be more stable yeah. at the extremes. 
So well, that's what I think. I mean, especially in air-cooled engines, yeah. you should use synthetic. Because I have had very real and negative experiences with it with the clutches. Yeah, yes. on old old bikes. Oh yeah. yeah, where it would rev out, and if you hit hard in fifth gear, yeah. and I've had that. But with changing the oil and going back to some conventional, right. brought it right back. So it really wasn't that no. big of a deal. It didn't destroy the clutch plates. It just it, it just wasn't it was too slippery it, for their. Everything. I mean, I guess it would have eventually if you really yeah. rode it hard and made it do that a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not yeah. gonna, it's going to do it, but you're going to fix it. Was that with like synthetic? Just well, that was using like motorcycle oil. That was using or? synthetic racing motorcycle motorcycle oil. oil. Oh, motorcycle, yeah. Oil. Yeah. Yeah. motorcycle oil. That's a racing motorcycle. That oil. would have probably been fine in a more modern bike, but yeah. using it in I was using it in an old CB two hundred, right. which has wooden like, clutch plates. Yeah, it was know. bad yeah. thing to begin with. So yeah, it's um, a very interesting thing, and the oil debate is, is past a certain year. You should probably just use thirty weight uh, non detergent. As we've anything as, older than nineteen eighty, yep. probably that's yeah, what I would do. Remember, that's what they call for in the manual. And when I've had stuff, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. You. I've had these old bikes, and I've had to sometimes with two strokes especially it is very it is very likely for most people to be like i want to give my baby the best so they're going to put you know synthetic two-stroke oil in the gasoline and then we see problems Hmm. with bearings and cranks and stuff like that and then if we slap them and we slap that bottle of golden spectro out of their hand or like you know redline racing oil or whatever the fuck it is you know unicorn piss royal whatever (laughs) two-stroke oil like $20 $20 a quart two-stroke oil that you're about to burn. But is it because they go, oh, we can go 100 to 1 on this now? No, no. it's not, and I wish they did, because as, as there's, a weird, there's a weird side of the two-stroke coin. When you make a commitment to two-stroke motorcycles, and our guys, um, our, our friends in Nebraska, Brad at Lincoln, uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska, is going to chime in on this, because they do... All the Suzuki Gammas, they do all the RDs, they do all the RZs. I mean, these guys are um, fantastic two-stroke tuners, and they can take me to task on this. But the trick for me is too many people try to do too many things to help the situation. When you do all these different things to help the situation, you end up hurting the situation. So the more oil you put in your gas, the less gas is in your gas. So if you're at 2% oil, is what the factory says you should be running, and you go to 5% oil, what you've done is you've taken out 3% of your gas, and you've replaced it with oil, which you now leaned out your gas package. Strangely enough, your bike is oil-rich but gas-lean, because oil isn't gas. You're taking gas out and putting oil in. You're leaning it out as far as gas versus exactly. oil, not as f- fuel versus air. Fuel versus air. So there's there's two different leans. Exactly. There. Just yeah. like so we're, we're, even if the oil is burning in the combustion chamber, it's certainly not burning like gas. No, no. But does right. it right. but does it raise does it raise your uh, octane? I mean, does it raise the knock index or does it lower the? If you have more oil in it, does it? Act like an octane booster, or does it act like the only thing that would act like an octane booster would be an octane booster or water? Yes, and that's an excellent oil wouldn't do that. Oil Oil won't do that. So, so what you're saying is it's just you're you're just leaning it out, exactly. You're just leaning it out. So, remember that gasoline compared to air, gasoline is cooling things down. So, the more air you put into your mix, the hotter things are getting. So gasoline is balancing out that equation. And there's, a, there's an air-fuel mixture we're working towards. And uh, the, I couldn't conjure up their name before, but they're called HVC, hvccycle.net. 
and uh, Brad and his crew over there, these guys are two-stroke fucking geniuses. And I like talking to them about two-stroke stuff because they've really got it down to a nuanced level of experience. It's almost a dying art. I mean, it you really think, is. You think carburetors are a dying art? Two-stroke guys are the two best. Two-stroke guys. They're yeah, wizards. It's, it's a whole other, like... Uh, I almost feel like there could be one more little blip of two-stroke somehow. Well, yeah. Somehow. Well, yeah. Well, they're trying to develop a clean two-stroke. And it's so. been going yeah. on for Direct years, injection. right? Yeah. I mean, but, like, when mainstream motocross racing went to four-stroke, right. it's like yeah. two-strokes. It's like... Development died. Yeah, yeah. exactly. What was yeah. the point? They're not going right. to put them on the street. Yeah. Now they're not racing them on right. motocross tracks And they're anymore. quite fun. I mean, that's the thing. is like We have to say that two-strokes are our illegal side piece of the motorcycle world. There's like, nothing like when they come on by. Boy, oh, ain't there, kidding. right? I mean, it's like, boy, and howdy. The funny thing is, and we're, we're talking about this from a first-world perspective, you go to China, you go to Vietnam, you go to South America, and you see two-strokes all over the place. You know, they're still running them. Yeah. They're, they're cheap. They're easy. Obviously, everyone knows they're, they're easier to, you know, the high maintenance, <laughs> no, but cheap maintenance. <laughs> But less moving parts, yeah. and they're easy to produce. There's nothing like the smell of 4% clots in the morning. <laughs> There's a well, the common thing that people do, too, is that, you know they don't want to trust the fuel injector. you got a fuel-injected mm. bike, yeah. trust the fuel injector. Right. Let it do its job. Yeah. Oh, you Go mean on. oil injector? Oh, yeah, yeah. Me. Oil, oil injector. injector. Yeah, yeah, oil injector. You don't need to pour a little bit of oil in with the gas. Well, because it changes the, the ratio. Yeah, so it changes mm-hmm. the ratio from 1% to 3% or yeah, whatever. I'm yeah. just not sure it's, you know? it's working, so I'm going to add a little right. too much. I'm going to add, and that's yeah. never the right answer. And we've seen more tuning problems because of that. And back to circle back to the original reason we got started on this is when we see people that are not using an auto lube because the bike is real old, and the bike specs out mixing it four, four, uh, 4%, or the bike specs out 5% or whatever it does. And you get your little mixed cup and you're being cool and you got everything dialed in the way you should be. Ratio right. Ratio right. If you don't have a ratio right, you should have a ratio right. Because that shit is awesome. Check your ratio rights. Check your ratio rights, yes. Well, ratio right is a product that has been that graduated cylinder. You know, it's, a, it's nothing more than a pitcher with lines on the side that tell you everything. It is the whiz wheel. It is the slide rule of... The motorcycle or chemical mixing world, it has all of the ratios printed on it in both freedom units and centigrade. You know, so I mean, you can use it anywhere in the world. It's brilliant. So commies can use it. Yes, the communists can use a ratio right for fuck's sake. It's written in Cyrillic for fuck. But it is so good. The product works every single time, and. That's a great thing to have around if you're going to be mixing any fluids in the motorcycle industry. But I have one in my garage I haven't used for so long that it's like it's got like sticky shit and like bugs. Very gummy. <laughs> like generations of fucking well, insects. Well, you know, two, two-year-old two-stroke is the original flypaper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, but anyhow, that getting a bike that has weird running symptoms. If you just take the bike back to what was in the original owner's manual. It's weird, like a really old bike. So these old, old two-strokes, they weren't meant for unicorn piss, $20 a liter, full synthetic oil. So go get yourself a 99-cent jar of Wolf's Head, you know, 99 cents a quart, (laughs) and mix it up at the prescribed ratio with 89-octane gasoline leaded you you ain't gonna find it right but but mix it up with 89 octane pump gas or you know if you're lucky enough to have boat gas or rv gas around you 
mix it up with that because ethanol does weird things to mix too, and then yeah. run the bike. Because usually what causes the problem is 94 octane mixed with $20 a quart full synthetic race oil, and the bike becomes weird. I mean, and the greasy kid stuff, like the, the gummy, sticky lubricant part of it doesn't stick where the gummy, sticky lubricant part is originally meant to stick. And it just kind of flings away. And so it's... Lubrication is a weird thing. In order for lubrication to work... It's got to touch things. It's got to touch things, yeah. Lubricity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, right? Tell me more. Yeah. You yeah, have to yeah. get a film <laughs> over everything. Well, yeah. Yeah. Well, all the lubrication in the world doesn't work if it doesn't get into the friction zone. <laughs> <laughs> if you miss the hole and it's running down her leg, it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's it. Uh, it's not helping the situation. Just because you spent it doesn't mean that it's helping. So it is a weird game. It was good for me. Exactly. So I brought a thing. I brought a. I brought a party favor. This is the sound of it. Unsheathed. Those look like Power Ranger safety scissors. They are Power Ranger. Yes, exactly. They have extra ridges and stuff on them. So if anybody here likes um, tools, if y'all are tool fetishists, like I, can't I am, Im- I can't imagine that. No, I can't imagine. That. No, I'm not really. So if anybody's ever had a pair of Nipex uh, channel locks or Nipex pliers, you'll know that Nipex pliers are some goddamn good soup. I mean, I love them. And I've got five or six different sets of Nipex uh, pliers and, and vice grips, and or not vice grips, channel locks, basically. And I like them. They're really good, and their edges are really strong, and they, they don't round off shit, and they work good. Uh, they work real good. They work real good. And they're worth a couple of extra bucks to get that quality tool, right? So when I was on their website, I found that um, they do make the Vampire the Vampire Tools Super Combo Scissors, which are also a proud product of Japan. Um, they were designed in the United States. No, I'm sorry. They received an American Design Award. Whatever. Uh, but they are what they call 4-in-1 multipurpose blade combination Super Combo Scissors. And if you've ever owned a pair of those chrome electrician scissors that look like they escaped from the first grade, but they have a little couple of extra notches in them, those are pretty badass. Like, chromed actual electrician scissors are a very handy thing to have around. I have a pair of scissors yeah. used for uh, autopsies. Ooh. They're about this long. Whoa! Really? <laughs> Get out of here. So my favorite kitchen gadget is I've got a pair of kitchen scissors, you know, Zwillings, you know, the German ones, that I've had for 15 years now. And I've given them people as Christmas gifts. And they all love them. Like, once you have a good pair of kitchen shears, yep, the same thing. they're hard to argue with. And in my tool chest, um, a good friend of mine, Steve Bailey, formerly of Motorsport Scooters on the West Coast, Bailey carries, like, I carry my Gerber tool all the time. He's got a little leather pouch that's got, like, packaging tape and a screwdriver and some other good gear. And he's always got a pair of scissors in there. And uh, he's lost a lot of pairs of scissors. I've seen him jump off his tool belt at 80 miles an hour or 20 miles an hour in Mexico. Um, but these scissors, you don't want to let go of. So they're pretty cool. Um, you know, with a lot of scissors, the problem is the left handle and the right handle overdriving each other. And you'll see there's little locks built in here to keep the handles of the screwdriver, the uh, 
the scissors from overdriving each other and pinching your hands in there. And Steve made a good point that these scissors are ambidextrous. They are ambidextrous. They're left-handed friends. Uh, yeah, right, exactly. I'm a left-handed person, and they are absolutely ambidextrous. Uh, you don't have to open the scissors to use it as a box cutter. So they've got a box cutter blade built into the outside, which is cool. Um, you can open boxes from the exterior without even opening the scissors. Um, these things go through 18-gauge wire like a hot knife through butter. Um, they are micro-serrated, which grabs onto the item you're cutting and really lays into it. Because um, sometimes when you're cutting something, it like squishes it, it, it pushes it yeah, out. It walks out. Cut something for us. Oh, I can cut anything. So you earlier do it today, real close to the microphone too. I cut a whole bunch of stuff. Um, does anybody have an empty beer can? Those are always fun. Oh, here we go. Yeah, empty beer cans are great. Yeah. So can yeah, we you find can... an empty beer can anywhere? <laughs> okay, that like was a beer can. Like water. Yeah, that was a beer uh, can. Didn't stand a chance. And that's like the that whole thing about it. So they're not real big. They're only about five inches. That's I told her. I told her it's nine, inches, nine, yeah, inches. nine inches. Right. According to my wife, that's nine inches. Yeah. Um, She's but, so nice. Yeah, she is. She's a sweetheart. It's an Irish foot. It's, exactly. So, yeah, according to my wife, that's nine inches. So they'll fit, and they come with a cool little sheathy deal. So you can kind of do that so you don't stab yourself when you're sitting on them. But they're, they're fucking, you know, as one of our friends would say, they're skookum as frig. Um, check them out, man. That'd be nice if it had a little belt clip on it. It would be yeah, nice yeah. if it had a belt yeah, clip, but right. then it would lose its... Yeah, I agree. I said the same thing. It'd be nice if it had a belt What's clip. What's this little cutout for? So if you if you read the thing, you use that Stripping as a variable wire. wire stripper. Oh, I see. So mm-hmm. you can use it as a wire stripper on any size mm-hmm. or gauge of wire. So we'll put a picture of that in the show notes. So if you guys so, want to uh, get a cool tool. Vampire Tools yep. VT011. There's your nomenclature. That's it. And it's a very cool pair of scissors. Or, as I say, man shears. Made yeah. in Japan. Made in Japan. How Nippon. much does it cost? 30 bucks. Um, you know, you can find them from various different, uh, you know, suppliers. But, you know, just using the Amazonian resource thing. Yeah. Oh, don't don't <laughs> cut. They, oh, I did cut my thumbnails with it earlier. They work real good for thumbnails. So, yeah, it's a it's a legit it's a legit tool. On the back, I like where it has all the different uh, photo imagery of the different devices, the wire cutter, et cetera, et cetera, flat blade, box cutter, et cetera. I, th- I think you hit the nail yeah. on the head with these scissors. When you said that it's a legitimate tool, because you yeah. think of scissors like, what the fuck, I'm going to cut some wrapping paper, I'm wrapping Christmas bread. It's not that kind of scissors. These things are like something you can use in the shop for mm-hmm. cutting everything from wire to like if you're making a gasket or something. Yeah. or yeah. you know, it, it, it is a nice precision tool. They're precision because the, you can cut thin paper super clean with mm-hmm. it. There's a feeling in it. How long do you think they'll stay sharp? I don't know. Well, that's the I thing. I, I was just thinking. Is they, it, can you be resharpened? Yeah, yeah, probably. Could. But they're they're precision, but they're also cheap enough that you don't really yeah, worry bucks. about throwing them around. Bucks. And yeah, thirty bucks. Yeah, it won't be the end of your. You've made much worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I that, paid the wow. same amount of money for two quarts of oil. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to sound ridiculous, but I, I think the styling is a little bit questionable. The styling is very questionable. Um, it does look like I think you nailed it when you said Power Rangers. Well, when you look yeah. at it, it looks like something that you would give your um, kindergartner yep. to take to school on the first day of school. Well, do you know what's funny is I, like I keep it. in my tool chest. I keep a pair of. I, you guys, I don't know if you're with it, but there's a company called Klein Tools. Klein, right? yep. So Klein Tools, they make, they make like some pretty good stuff. Tools. Yeah, and so the Klein Tools electrician scissors are twenty eight dollars a pair, right? 
Mm-hmm. And I've lost a lot of these. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, I've forgotten these up in ceilings. They've fallen into various vehicles I've been working on. This is more practical than... This is way... Stuff. For t- Klein tools, those scissors run about 25 to 30 bucks a pair as well. And they're just the basic... You could mistake them for your grandmother's scissors. These are far better for thirty bucks. I would like to issue a correction on that. Those are not Power Rangers. (laughs) Those are Rescue Rangers. Rescue Rangers, (laughs) and those are the medic guy. That's what he carries. Oh, really? Yes. No, this actually does remind me of a pair of like power shears that like paramedics carry for cutting people's clothes off or for cutting bandages or whatever. I said about those when I saw them. Like, but some of those are also super, absolutely terrible quality. These, these, and that's, these, and that's these are absolutely quality. it. And the Vampire Tools, like the Vampire Tools shears, if you're going to have a pair of scissors in your toolbox, you can go to Harbor Freight and you can buy the $3 pair of scissors they have there, and they suck badly. Like, they roll over on themselves, they fold over, they are not good for shit. I think the next time I drink bourbon, you should cut my clothes off. <laughs> <laughs> With the vampires, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I said it here. I will regret it later. I will <laughs> regret it later. Um, so, hey, anybody would like? Would anyone like the update on the tools? You should not. Don't walk. Run to Harbor Freight right now. Friday, March fifteenth through Sunday, March seventeenth. I'm going to make sure to drop this the to podcast listeners. Right, beware the Ides of March. So, right now at Harbor Freight. If you didn't get this, uh, go to their website because the first of all, the freebie is that little blue magnetic flashlight thing. Yeah, I got it. But they got rid of the LED array of lights, and they now have a cob, a, a, a chip on board. Hmm. So they now have a cob light in there, and for free, it's the best flashlight you'll never buy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it is free. Um, that fucker is not dicking it's around. It's free and it's still overpriced. I've been no, it was, it's, <laughs> the, the old ones that had like the array of LEDs, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. they were okay. All right, here's the real question. Yeah. Is, when the batteries run out, is it worth replacing the batteries? Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. Right. because they're brighter than fuck. It works um, until it doesn't. Yes. <laughs> I've been buying the, for $4.99 with a coupon. Yes. There's the little, it's it has the, the chip, the board. Yeah. Oh, the, the stick. And it takes three, three double mm-hmm. A's. Yeah. It's amazingly yes. bright. Two, yeah. two levels, magnetic base. We have them here. Yeah. yeah. They're great. Yeah. They're super bright. And like that you know, my cob favorite. or chip on board, when you see that nice long element on there, you're going to get some light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My favorite Harbor Freight freebie, though. Yeah. Is the uh, microfiber towels? Uh, my favorite is the magnetic parts dish. Oh yeah, really? <laughs> oh, I've got six of them right here. Um, I swear by the magnetic parts. Is dishes. that that <laughs> magnetic oh, yeah. strip is yeah. also a freebie, yes. isn't it? Oh, the ma- the heart magnetic strip. Yep. My my life is full of magnets, as yep. you can tell by my my shop chest. So my but that shop is, work chest is all about being that, able to see my tools. That is the perfect application, though. Holding holding open end wrenches. Yes, like, it's, it yeah. is designed to hold open end wrenches. Mm-hmm. Um, this whole device, this whole cart, is about eighty-five percent Harbor Freight. Uh, you know, and I've I pride myself in. That. There's a lot of magnets on there. Too. There's a lot. No, I've got about a hundred <laughs> magnets. On yeah, and uh, the ultimate the ultimate Camaro accessory is I have my Overland bound uh, medallion, my Overland bound coin. With I put a couple of rare earth magnets on the back of that thing, so it'll stick to the side of my uh, Toyota uh, Land Cruiser when I bring it over. <laughs> the uh, yeah, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, when you when you're an Overland Bound member, 
you get a giant metal coin and a certificate of authenticity. Wow. I walked by Phil's toolbox and my Prince Albert got stuck to it. Stuck to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, a unique blend of Harbor Freight and Milwaukee. That's why they so, call it toolbox. It is toolbox. <laughs> so the other item that everybody should run, not walk to Harbor Freight to buy. Um, I'm real fucking picky when it comes to battery chargers. Okay. Like, like you know, at the shop here, we use the Optimate battery float maintainers and stuff. Um, Optimate has a new lithium. If you guys have, are wealthy enough to invest in lithium batteries, which we now have lithium power inside the KLR650. Um, I'm going on, on record right now say I'm a big fan of Battery Tender. Yep, I am too. Battery, battery Tender, tender brand. Uh, battery Tender is Deltran, and Optimate is yep, their Deltran, competition. Yep. And uh, Deltran is the Battery Tender guys. Optimate is the red, white, and blue guys. So Deltran mm-hmm. Battery Tender is the green team, mm-hmm. and Optimate is the red, white, and blue team. Okay, so I'm a big fan of the Optimate connectors, though. Optimate has higher they quality connectors. They do have higher quality connectors. And, and they have, like, they have uh, insulated US, uh, SAE connectors with, yes, like they a, do. with a rubber, like, it's got a big condom on it, basically. Yeah, it's got a Buna end connector on it yep. that really is better than what you see on the... Um, Say that again, a Buna end Buna end connector. <laughs> yeah, you got a Buna end connector. I've a never owned foreskin, an, a little rubber foreskin on there. Never owned an Optimate charger. I'm not mm-hmm. opposed to them, but I've had good luck with a Deltran battery yes. tender, and that's I have brand loyalty. What I passed around them. here is the Optimate, the brand new Optimate lithium charger, mm-hmm. because lithiums do have totally different requirements than... Uh, AGMs and traditional lead acid batteries. Does it only work on lithium? No, it does. She do go both ways. Okay. Is Harbor Freight selling those now? No, that's not Harbor <laughs> Freight. That's Parts Unlimited or contact oh, okay. your local motorcycle this shop. This is a segue from the Harbor but, Freight. But, however, Harbor Freight is selling what is normally their $52 Oosh. they're normally $52 battery charger, which is 2 amp, 10 amp, and 50 amp start circuit. Don't be fooled by the other ones. This is not the all black one. This is the black one with the red face. Mm. So if you're at Harbor Freight, vaguely similar to a Schumacher unit, it looks extremely identical to a Schumacher unit. (laughs) Okay, extremely, not vaguely. (laughs) Extremely identical to a Schumacher, and it says compared to a Schumacher, which means the design pukes have either had their way with one or the other. They're coming from the same place. Yeah. Mm. So all of the traditional black, gonna light your garage on fire metal chargers that we've all known since we were children yeah that basically is a great way for making shit explode if you leave it in the 50 amp setting and even if you put it in the 10 amp setting smoke's going to come out of it eventually because they get kicked around and they get dropped and everything what i discovered about five years ago is when you're at harbor freight and you buy the 2 amp 10 amp etc utility charger that works on everything around here we call these devices dumb chargers there's smart chargers and there's dumb chargers a smart charger Talks to the battery, and if the battery's healthy enough, it proceeds to enter a charging cycle. As a microprocessor on board. Yep. A dumb charger says, I don't care what you hook me to, it's getting 12 volts it's and 10 amps. It's a switch. It, bitch. It's Take it, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a dumb charger. Yeah. And sometimes when you're working with motorcycle batteries, you hook it up to a Deltran, you hook it up to an Optimate, and the battery's so discharged that the Deltran or the Optimate says... I cannot, in good faith, attempt to charge this thing. It is very, very dead, and if I attempt to push power into it, it will likely cause a fire in my own circuitry. Whereas the dumb charger says, 
Take it, bitch. You asked for it, you got it. <laughs> Here it comes. You have signified your intent by plugging this end into an AC receptacle. What's going to come out this end is DC angry. Angry DC. So I don't care if you've hooked me to a battery or a 240-pound fetishist. Or your nipples. Yeah. We're going to get power, right? It's coming. Well, this particular one, this this fellow right here, at that price of $29.99, that's going to give you five years of reliable service. And it is remarkably good at its job. Hey, you hit it, you hit it, a battery with that, bring it up to five volts, <coughs> pull that optimate on it. You got it. It takes it the rest of the world. So. This will wake up virtually any battery. I use this at the... Sh we have... Four of these in the shop. So we have four of these guys because when the situation is wrong for a smart charger, it's right for a dumb charger. Mm -hmm. And the dumb charger will, will if it can be brought back, the dumb charger is going to get you to the point where it can be worked with. Go ahead, John. The best dumb charger is a fully charged battery. Hell yes, it is. Slap, just take a good battery. Take hook it to this all the battery. circuitry out of it. Yeah. And you're exactly mm -hmm. right. Nothing I charges. Laughed at, Ryan was building his dumb, you know, his the his diesel well, fighter. This little I'm like, why don't you yeah. just take this battery? Yeah. Look at that. Well, battery. what Ryan was building was Ryan was building a pulse diesel fighter. You know, that was his whole idea. But you know, they do build those. They're called Optimates and battery tenders. You know, they do desulfite. They and if you get an Optimate four and spend the money, yeah. they do desulfite like a son of a bitch. They work very very well. I build chargers for my hybrid out of ballast. Out of ballast, exactly. Right. And that gets the job done. My next move, I have a couple batteries that have turned into six volt batteries. Yes. So what has happened is half of the cells are gone. You can charge it up yeah. six volts strong. It'll charge It'll to never six go to 12. Volt. It's right. stuck. It's and because that what's happened is the plates have half bridged. Of the plates are, half of the plates are bridged. Right. Half the plates are bridged. No. Here's what I'm going to do. I haven't had yeah. a chance to do it yet. Yeah. But I'm going to take that battery. And I'm going to put it in my ultrasonic. Yes. And I'm going to hook the charger to it. And Excellent. I'm going to sit there and, try and let it vibrate. And see what happens. Right. Take all the fluid out of your ultrasonic. No, I'm going to put fluid. Are you going to leave fluid in it? Fluid in it. Just to, just to keep help. it as a cooling solution. Well, whatever. I mean, a water-cooled battery vibrator. And just let it sit there and see what if I it'll love it. if it'll like somehow yeah. do something. I, hey, look, it's already a dead battery. It's already a dead battery. I saw a video on deconstructing those batteries. You yeah. pull each plate out. Yes. And they put a film, some type of film, on either side of the plate. That's Rotella. Okay. What? Rotella. Rotella. <laughs> Just a film no, of Rotella like a, between like your pinch cheek and gum. Or some type of uh, dielectric film okay. on yeah. either side of the plates, and they reassemble the batteries, and they put it back together, and it's a, a condenser battery. Oh, Oh, it's con yeah. It acts right. like a condenser, but also as a battery, yeah. and it it supposedly extends the life of the battery for what, like ten years. Get the fuck hmm. out of here! So it stabilizes. It's There's no breakdown. I don't know if it's right. you know one of those like eat the tide pods, <laughs> <laughs> or if it's really true. They said it works, but you have to eat two tide yeah. pods first. Yeah, yeah that's if, it. If we kick the devil in the dick when we were talking about oil, <laughs> oh, we're way we're like deep punching right, right in the butthole when we're yeah. talking about <laughs> batteries and chargers and you know. <laughs> which which lithium battery did you go for? I that? did go. So Parts Unlimited now has started doing their own house brand. Mm -hmm. I haven't figured out who who makes them for them yet, whether they're Ballistic or somebody else or Shirai or somebody. Yep. But Parts Unlimited has slapped their name on a lithium brand. And what's nice is on the top of the battery, there aren't just a positive and a negative oh, terminal. Yeah. There's four terminals. Yeah, those are nice. Oh, yeah. So she goes into anything, right? So it's like basically with 
six battery cases. They can now service the entire world of motorcycles. Yes. Yep. And that one is the size. It's the size of a YTX seven, uh, like a YTX seven ABS, like a tall YTX seven, but it has the chooch of a YTX fourteen. Oh, so yeah, that'll be good. I, yep. I need a smaller battery. Yeah, and that's now. what this whole idea is. And, and so, with the extra terminals, you can like right. connect your yeah. battery. You know, your wiring system for the bike for yes. charging and yes. starting and everything exactly. to one set of terminals. The second set of terminals, you can all your Fun accessories. Stuff. Yeah. Fun stuff, exactly. Auxiliary fuel right. pan, uh, right. fuse panels. Don't everything. overload one set of terminals when you have two sets of right. terminals yep. available that's, that's, to you. That's beautiful. We can <gasps> suck the fucking electric out of that battery quicker now than ever before. You know what drains it faster? More holes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's it. We'll put more holes in that battery. Electricity will just jump out of it. Yeah, we're going to empty this battery in a fucking hurry. I call it electricity. Electricity. <laughs> it is electricity. <laughs> That's electricity to you and me. So, uh, talented uh, podcast participants would notice that there are motorcycles missing in the building, yes. But there have been motorcycles added to the building as well. Because I went to Cincinnati. And I partook in the National Power Sports Auction. WKRP. WKRP in Cincinnati. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, I bought four motorcycles. I tried to buy six. You know how you've made a good bid? When it's rejected. Nice. You know how you know they're the perfect, you've bid the perfect amount as the high bidder? When it didn't meet reserve. And that, that shit has to come down to that poor bastard on the other end of the phone going, okay, I'll take it. So you might get a call. What I have they, gotten calls. What do they call those? That the uh, if call subject to call subject to subject to. So uh, going to the again, I do need to take a team player down with me. I, I have to pre- prepare myself better because the way they run their auction, I can't as a human being cover the metric cruisers, the metric sport bikes, and the Harley Davidsons at the same time. Yeah, I'm going to let you know I don't care about the Harley Davidsons. There were 500 of them. There were 200 of the other. So there was 500 Harley-Davidson, 200 not Harley-Davidsons. And something big is going to happen, podcast listeners. Something big regarding the value of Harley-Davidsons is going to happen soon, and you won't like it. Tankage? It's going... There's a, a big fucking problem is about to happen because there were an insane, an impossible number of 2018 model year Harley-Davidsons at this sale. And there's only one way that can happen. It's not dealerships that had leftover 2018s on their floor, because those would have been one-mile bikes or two-mile bikes. These were bikes that had 1,200 miles on them or 1,600 miles on them or 3,000 miles on them. The faults? Model year 2018s. Cooter Ray got her loan for it, then defaulted. Yeah, they must be giving people loans that. Right. It's like the housing crisis of 2000, like when they were giving housing loans to anybody. How bad? You got a paycheck, you got a Harley. How bad did Harley Davidson want to put metal on the street? Real bad. That they were willing to allow these people what clearly got the bikes repossessed from them in less than a year, calendar year. Because how long does it take to get repossessed? So what suckers are they going to sign up for 2019 and 20? And the market's going to be flooded. So how can you sell the 2019 
It's going to be... FXDB. You know when Indian went out of business? It's a non-sustainable business model. Yeah. Yeah, then they had that Indian moped? Yes. Well, yes. this is going to be... Harley, all Harley's big bikes are going to be gone. Yeah. And they're going to have those they little, have like, scooters with the electric scooter I'm things. There weren't, a, there weren't any live Harley electric there. scooters. No. <laughs> <laughs> you, mean the, you mean the Harley Davidson... Uh, 2015 Mission Livewire? Yeah, that one. Yeah, whatever that one is. The Electron Glide. The Electron Glide. Oh, that's good. That's another good one. Uh, Anywho, I digress. Uh, I was able to be the high bidder on a few interesting bikes. But do you think Harley's going to send us assassins to get us one time? No, I don't, because they're going to be busy. They're going to be busy. (laughs) No, they're going to be dodging their angry shareholders. Because right now, all they're holding out to their shareholders is, look, we're getting into electricity. We're diversifying into electricity, and that's going to keep us relevant. They're going back in the AMF days. They're going to get taken over by a holding company. Yeah. They're going to pare down the whole thing. They get bought by Apple. Put their production, yeah, they're going to put their production overseas. The quality is going to drop on those things, and then somebody else is going to come in and buy it for nothing and try to bring the quality back. If I were a shareholder, I would only want to know is... If you've bought, if you've had diminishing returns, if you've had consistent losses quarter to quarter to quarter to quarter, four, five, six quarters in a row, you've been losing money. And I'll as tell a you what the market says pissed. about Harley right now. Yeah, I, I read one of those last week. Um, I want to see if it says buy, hold, or sell. Well, yeah, you can go to MotleyFool.com yeah. and get a real good read on that. But so it's safe to say you didn't buy any. Hey, of Chris Smith is back. I'm back. Yay! It's safe to say with you didn't buy any. Yeah, <laughs> with the order form. Yay! <laughs> Go ahead, John. It's I thought we locked the doors so the riffraff couldn't get in. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> Period, new paragraph. Easter Kabaska. Yeehaw, sign me Ooh. up. Yeah, there's their chart. Yeah, their chart does Ooh. not look good. Their chart looks like the EKG rating of somebody that was recently brought into the ER. It's a 17% buy. Wow. Yeah, that's a very bad buy. So it's a safe hold. to say that you didn't buy any American bikes at the auction. No, I didn't. But I have a feeling you bought something from Italy. I did. I've been having a problem with that. Mm-hmm. No, and, and again... Maybe more than one thing. Yeah. Oh, no, I've got a real problem. I mean... That is a problem. Maybe more than two things from Italy? Oh, yeah. More than three? Almost. Oh, jeez. So, yeah. Are we so, talking about uh, Uncle Phil's recent purchases? Yeah. Okay. So Three things from Italy? The good news is I bought four motorcycles for less money than one of these motorcycles cost new. Okay. okay. How's that? That sounds good. Well that done. sounds right. like a fairly decent... If Buy you're going to package so something... There's a basic tenet of I'm capitalism. There is a basic way to, to tell your wife you've made four motorcycle purchases. And if you want to tell your wife you've made four motorcycle purchases, the best way to do it is to say that all four of these bikes together didn't cost as much as one of these motorcycles cost brand new. You got a forfer. I got a forfer. Mm-hmm. Right. What somebody else paid done more for, I got four. Wow. I know. You look like a crap so big your pants fit better? Yes, I have, actually. Yeah, I, I know the feeling. Uh, purchase number one for Steve Hoffert. Just for you. A 2012 Honda NC700 XC. Oh, nice. Yeah, I thought you'd approve of that bike. Yeah. It's a good motorcycle. It's a good, honest motorcycle that is now parked in the front of my shop. Where the gas tank is supposed to be, there's a a storage area large enough to put a helmet. Or a cake. 
forking. <laughs> right. <laughs> and that motorcycle also happened to come with GV luggage mounting pannier Rail. brackets yeah. that I happened to have sitting up on the shelf for a customer ordered but didn't pick up. The big giant GV uh, Nevada cool kick-ass side cases, which fit on it perfectly. So I've given, I had a $600 set of luggage that I didn't have a home for. I bought that motorcycle and I found a home for $600 worth of luggage. It looks fucking cool as hell. And it had uh, uh, under 10,000 miles on it. Well, that engine will last for 100,000 miles. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the most understressed engine ever. And it's the the good color metallic gray. Yeah. So nobody hates it gray. And uh, it had a, a real good auction score. And I paid the princely sum of twenty six hundred doll hairs. Wow. Oh shit! Yeah, for a bike that's low wholesale value is around three thirty two hundred bucks. So in this case, I don't know why, but the auction god smiled upon me, and I got the bike for what I would say in this world we pay for a marginal quality Chinese scooter. Right? So it's a real legit, honest NC seven hundred XC, that's and you can right. go inspect it. Hurry. Yeah, it is. Downright thievery. <laughs> so the second one I kind of overpaid on. All right. So uh, the second one was a 2013 Kawasaki EX650 Ninja. And that's the kinder, gentler Ninja. It's the two-cylinder. Yeah. Right? And we've had these before. It's, it's got the single. Just enough. That's the Goldilocks. It's a low versus. Yeah. It's a low versus, basically. And we've had a bunch of them. They're very friendly. Everybody likes them. They ride real nice. They're not... True sport bikes. It's a bit big, but it could be a first bike. It's a good it's, first bike. It's better good, than a lot of first bikes. And it's bikes. a damn straight. If you like the term middleweight, it's a perfect middleweight. It'll do everything you need a motorcycle to do. It looks sporty, but it's not fully locked in, yeah. up the ass riding position. And this one had two damaged body panels on it. So somebody at the tender age of 2,200 miles on a 2013 dumped the bike over on its left-hand side at probably, looking at the scuffing, probably about 10 miles an hour, and cracked the left fairing and where the left mirror goes into the upper fairing. I priced those parts out. I got the parts shipped to me for 321 bucks to fix it and make it like new again and paid $2,200. Wow. Cheers. Cheers. For a fucking 650 fuel-injected motorcycle? Hell yeah. Now, these are not my selling prices, motherfuckers. Well done, that right sir. Now. Well All you done. podcast listeners yeah, like, I'll take I, it right now. Can I get a pass-through on that? No, or? you can't get a pass-through on that. That's why I'm in business, bitch. 10% markup? <laughs> yeah. Pay my mortgage for a month. Pass-through yeah. now, reach-around, maybe. Mm-hmm. Okay. Exactly. I'll give you a reach-around. But then shit got weird. Oh, boy. Uh-oh, not the human centipede kind. Here come the Italians. <laughs> Here come the Italians. And then the Italians showed up. And as we know, formerly, to my immediately left, there was a red Italian display piece. Forever. For a long time. Mm-hmm. That I bought last year at the auction in uh, October. Yeah, and I we, wouldn't call that forever. No, but it's like, it just sat there and it was yeah. on the healing list. Right, yeah. Right. For, just, for my forever. For your forever. <laughs> it bothered you, didn't it? Yeah, it did. <laughs> it did. It really did. <laughs> Every time somebody says Were Italian, you? <laughs> I think of true romance when Dennis Hopper looks at those two guys in the Moors. Yeah. yeah, he talks about the Moors. If you don't know what that is, type in true romance Dennis Hopper Moors or eggplant and, and leave yeah. it from there. I'm not going any further on this podcast no, into that discussion. I, I'm going to go on, on record and say that's my favorite scene in all of moviedom 
because it's Dennis Hopper, Christopher Walken. Yeah, it's it's f- fabulous. Yeah. It's fabulous. True Romance is actually uh, an amazingly good picture. Would now, you get up can to I be about Chester? almost five decades old? Yeah, like a year doesn't mean so much. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Can I have that Chesterfield. Well, again, now? here we go. So that bothered you, didn't it? Yeah. So having that motorcycle, that 2006, 2008 Multistrada, sitting there in a waiting-to-run condition. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let you know that once we, once we activated the team, because we let Steve look at it real quick, right? It, enough to determine where the problems were, and we talked about it in the podcast. We replaced the red wire that mm. goes into the fuel pump through the uh, amalgam, what do they call the the epoxy yep. through the the barrier from the outside world, the Stargate into the gas tank, mm-hmm. right? So once it goes through the eye, the eye right? <laughs> and then we we made it better because we added another power connector. So we were running two 18 gauge wires where there was once a 22 gauge wire. Oh. So there's a little thing about electricity that I like is that the fatter the hose, the less the resistance. So if something failed once, like if a car won't jump start with the $8 jump start cables, bust out the $50 jump start cables and you'd be amazed the shit starts. Mm-hmm. Two sets of cables. Four sets of cables. Eight sets of cables. <laughs> what I pulled off at my warehouse last week would have impressed any of you. I should have taken a picture. I had a customer victim that wanted to buy one of my Nissan Figaro's. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. But the Figaro had been test-driven by five or six previous attempted owners. And it hadn't been put on a tender. And it, of course, is winter. So the batteria was a no good. <laughs> so you had to turn it into a hybrid for a second. So I pushed the car over to the other part of my warehouse where there are 50 motorcycles on battery tenders. And not a single set of jumper cables. So this is like an Apollo 13 kind of thing. You know what you needed? You needed a $29 Harbor Freight battery uh, charger. <laughs> and I did not have one. But what I did have was an almost limitless supply of these. And what I'm holding in my hand is the dongle, the SAE dongle, with a couple of alligator clips on the other end that goes into the end of a battery tender, an Optimate, that changes it from an SAE connector into a positive and negative nibble clamp scenario. So it's basically alligator clips with an SAE connector in the middle. And if you connect them together and put them together like this, like they're having uh, uh, butt sex, so if you put them together... They make reverse polarity. The important thing to remember is this re- reverse polarity. Otherwise, you're going to go through a lot of fuses. And you get a beautiful two-foot-long jumper cable. And you get a two-foot-long jumper cable. <laughs> Thank you. You're way ahead of me. So what you've made is you've made a three-foot-long jumper cable out of what is arguably 18 to 20-gauge wire... That's going to smoke. Lamp cord. With a (laughs) 5-amp blade fuse in the middle of it on the one side. And remember that red is only red on one end. It becomes black at the other (laughs) because it's a shielded SAE connector and it only goes one way. And if you're a podcast listener and you're not following me right now, don't feel bad because only few of us are. And somebody should take a picture of me holding this up right now to help our podcast (laughs) listeners understand what we have going on. And I'll put it on the podcast. Get get the connector in it, too. The other connector and the SAE connector. The middle connector, yeah. I'll put it on your There you go, there you go. John? There you go. (laughs) This is the world's worst set of jumper cables. Okay? (laughs) 
But if you have 15 of them, you end up with something about 8 gauge. I think the math works on that. So if you have 15 shitty sets of jumper cables, it's the same as having one good set of jumper cables. And in which case, a running 2006 Kimco Grand Vista 250 can start a completely fucking dead Nissan Figaro. Figaro, Figaro, Figaro. Which is fuel injected. I did that with my KLR S650 on the back of the RV. Yeah, exactly. I ran cables from the KLR over to where the generator is, which has a tap which goes to the battery in the back. Yes. Which, if you turn the key on, connects it to the battery in the front. In the front. And if you let it sit there run long enough... It becomes a battery charger. You can eventually... It's a Kawasaki battery charger. <laughs> you, you want to know a beauteous thing about my BMW 1150 GS Adventure? Yes. Right on the side of the case by the transmission, yes. there's two Attack. posts. Yeah, there's, there's, you, there's, there's a positive and a negative yep. post. Yep. And so you can jump start that or jump start anyone Other else. Other thing else. Yeah. Or you can like attach a couple of alligator clips to an SAE that powers a... Yep. 12-volt pump anything or you anything want. else you want. 12-volt light, 12-volt anything. And that's anything. super smart. Like in the idea of an so adventure motorcycle. you got to take no seat apart. you got to take yeah. no tank apart. It's you can like... Heated aero stitch. <laughs> you can put anything you want on there because it's 12 volts at the ready yeah, there's, all the there's time. Yeah, there's 12-volt battery posts basically right on the side of the bodywork. And it's on its own fuse. Yes. So, you know, that's got a 15-amp fuse behind it. Mm-hmm. And so anything up to 15 amperes, or honestly 30 amperes, if you put a big enough fuse in the in the slot, because that's a good way to upgrade your upgrade your power is to mm-hmm. put a bigger fuse in it. Penny, or a penny, <laughs> or whatever. Or right? a rolled up cigarette, or whatever you got. A, a rolled up uh, cigarette paper is uh, just who, so you know. Uh, who, who is this penny you speak of? <laughs> if you have a glass fuse, and I know nobody smokes anymore, but. If you look in the trash, you can find a pack of cigarettes. If you have a motorcycle that has an inline glass fuse... Wrigley's chewing gum. Wrigley's chewing gum, too. If you use the foil that's on there, it's equal to about an 8-amp fuse. So anything that is a, normally has a glass fuse in line, if you wrap that fuse in cigarette paper or uh, Wrigley's chewing gum wrapper, it's just about... I've tested them out. They're about on the money with an 8-amp fuse. So it's a good thing to know that you're not going to burn the world down because that cigarette paper or that Wrigley's chewing gum paper will burn when it gets up to over 10 amps. So it's still functioning as a primitive fuse, which is pretty cool. So that's a, a tip. All right, so wait a minute. What was wrong with that Ducati? So what was wrong is, okay, that's excellent. Thank you for circling back. So what was happening to it is the fuel pump itself is in the gas tank. Yep. And like all modern vehicles that have a fuel injector, there is a fuel pump on the inside of the gas tank. Mm-hmm. So you have to get, you have to make a hole in the gas tank. <laughs> and the hole's big enough you can stick your fist through it, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And so the hole's big enough you can stick your fist through it. And this goes for cars too. Mm-hmm. And then you have to get electricity into the gasoline to run the fuel pump. Very and careful. Isn't that so cool that you can take gasoline, yeah. gasoline, and you can run electricity into it, and you can run an electric motor submersed in gasoline? to pump pressure, a lot of pressure, out to your fuel injectors and make the motorcycle run. That's fucking cool, right? Gasoline, electricity in the same house? That's great. Well, what happened with a lot of these Ducatis is the wiring that went into the bike was not really great. And as... What's the matter of the spaghetti? Well, and, you know, nobody ever hired the Italians for their space program. 
nobody ever said, check out my new Italian digital watch. In, in the words of James May, the Italians invented electricity, but they never perfected it. <laughs> <laughs> well stated, sir. Well, well done, stated. Captain Slow. I approve of this message. The uh, Yeah, and... What had happened is in these Ducati motorcycles is that the red connect the red connector or the red wire, which was carrying the positive for the uh, DC powered fuel pump, the Gazinda, the Gazinda as we like to say, the wires broke inside mm. where it went through the housing. So you would have you test it out for continuity, and it would not have continuity. Mm. And the problem was the brake was happening. At the Stargate. In the eye. In the eye. So what we did was we drilled, using and drill, we drilled through. So we took the fuel pump assembly out of the motorcycle. Now, Ducati wants something along the order of $700 for this assembly, which does not sit well with my Scottish roots. So we drilled a hole through the auger, or the epoxy resin, and we drilled a hole through it, and we passed a a red, high-quality wire of Japan origin taken from a wiring harness of a recently died motorcycle. We ran a six-inch wire through there, and we drilled another hole and ran an additional six-inch wire through there. So we had two conductors. How you like the now. Exactly. So we'd, what we'd done is we'd put in a... We'd repaired the original fault, but then we installed a fail-safe. So we were making a redundant a system. Or a backup. Exactly. Double redundant. Double re- and you know what? I looked at the situation... You can say that again. <laughs> That would be redundant. <laughs> that's from the Department of Redundancy Department. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So that's what we did to that Ducati. Like he said. And once we did that, what'd you say? then everything worked, right? Because that was the only thing that decommissioned that motorcycle and put it at the NPA auction to begin with. That's the reason the previous owner of that $15,000 motorcycle took it into the dealership and bought another one. Or who knows what the dealer told him about, like, oh, it's going to be a really expensive repair. You better just trade it on a new one, pal. Doing internet searches, yeah. non-running, <laughs> no fuel. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right? Find more of those. Yeah. So the We've fact got the that, golden bullet. Yeah, so the fact that that motorcycle didn't run at the auction scared everybody off. Because there's two things that scare these motorcycles. Because remember, this auction is for dealers only. So the people that are at this auction are not your average buyer. So they learned, you know, risk management is everything, right? right. Spending and a lot of money is something that yeah. doesn't make Especially profit. not for an Italian bike with an electrical problem, yeah. right? So an Italian bike with an electrical problem, right? You know, she's a midget stripper, but at least she has herpes. So... <laughs> This is well, where we are. Go. Right. I'm not falling for that again. <laughs> <laughs> again, fool me once. So I bought that motorcycle for very cheap. And all the other parts of it are beautiful. Yep. It's a very sexy, cool, interesting motorcycle, except for it. the area on the front of it. I've already taken it for several rides. Oh, okay. And it's and it's dynamic and exciting and athletic and fun. And Italian. And Italian. And it ready makes, to be bought. And it makes good noises. Yeah. And it's priced at a value price. I mean, we have it on our, our YouTube channel, Badass Bikes at a buzz, Budget. It's the red one. Oh, I thought it sold. No, it's over there. But if you look over there, Steve, what's parked next to it? Steve, what's over there next to my Ducati Multistrada? Oh, God, is there another one? It's, it's a multi-multistrada. <laughs> oh, God. Multiple multistrada. We have multiple multistradas. Well, what problem does this one have? I was going to say, yeah, that's my next question. Yeah. <laughs> the multi. I'm glad you asked that question. 
Because when it came to time to bid on it, it has 19,000 miles on it. Mm -hmm. It has both of the keys. It's the Multistrada 1200 Pikes Peak Edition. Oh. Oh. I have no idea what that means. However... It's a hill climber. However, it is four years better than the Multistrada that's parked next to. Because that one is a 2006, I believe, and this one's a 2010. Now, what Ducati had done since then is they came up with a multi-mode traction control system that was standard on Ducatis. So you could get this multi-mode, like, you know, urban, enduro, sport, rain, multi-mode traction control system. Multi-mode for the multi-strata. Yes. Who who has developed this uh, multi-mode system? Probably some... German that's Bosch. disguising. I would, I would hope it's a Bosch, not like a Magneti Morelli or right. something, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, whoever, maybe right. they subbed it out to Lucas. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> so yeah, I had to buy that. That's a legitimate question, though. Yeah. So I had to buy that yeah. because. Oh yeah. It runs all day long. Do you know what it doesn't do? The rear Stop. brake doesn't work. Yeah. No, no, the front brakes work great. <laughs> That's going to be impossible to figure that out. No, because the rear brake had a recall. Hmm. So there was an O-ring failure in the re- in the Brembo uh, rear brake master cylinder. So uh, there's a recall on it, so I'm going to take it to the Ducati dealer and have him fix it. Nice. It's recall. Fix this. Right, fix that. Right. Blew, so, out, blew out my O-ring. Yes. <laughs> so that motorcycle originally booked out at something like $16,000, $17,000. Yeah, forty six hundred bucks. No, seriously, for that for that Ducati. And you know what's different than this Ducati than the old Ducati is this one's pretty. I like the old one. I can look at this one without squinting. I can look at this one and maintain an erection. I cannot look at the old one with any sort of. No, the old one's a quasi-moto. It is a quasi-moto. No, serious. It's got cyclops. <laughs> it's a... But it's like, it's it's captivating. It's like a beautiful it's way. It's like <sighs> a beautiful Italian girl, but maybe she has like the mustache is starting to come in or something. <laughs> so it's, she's no, still good looking. Over you, you're head, like, I can overlook it. It's great. I, I, mean, <laughs> I can overlook the mustache. <laughs> well, as long as she shaves. Right. Oh, wait, wait, like hold on. The old one I, is way better. You like the old uh, one better? Yeah, that's what I vote The front the one has a beak, and I don't yeah, like the it. The front one does. The new one does have yeah. a beak. It has I, a lot of beak. Hey, I like the beak. Nick, I like the beak, too. Nick, yeah. Nick John, just, John just yelled, the front one, uh, the old one has a moving windshield. It does. It, so has, it, a, does. it has a bifurcated yeah. front fairing. And Nick just went on the record saying he likes girls with mustaches. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that's the difference. But not between, heavier than his. Right. So between, like, the Generation 1 Multistrata and the Generation 2 Multistrata, like between 2006 or so or 2010 the difference is like it has that weird i want the windshield to go where the handlebars go but the headlight doesn't necessarily have to yeah and so they just put a cut in the middle of it and it's got a very weird lego front end like a playmobile lego front end to it it's pretty cool whereas the later ones look like every other sport bike on the planet which are very beakish and very like bird angry birdish right you know they're pointy sharp bird-like Yes, it is. Avian. Avian. No, it, it does look like uh, angry. It does look like the Angry Bird, like that yep. game. Yeah, and this one, um, like that's I said, what I was thinking, what does it look like? And that's what it looks like. It looks like an, yeah, it's very pointy and sharp and dart like, and it comes with the arrow exhaust, uh, type or titanium, whatever the hell, it doesn't matter. Real so quick, it, before I forget to tell you about it. Yes, John. On the old one, I think the the turn signals are lit very dimly. Right now, currently. Right now, currently. Is the is the key I even absent? Like, 
I didn't play with the gear. Okay. I was like, all right. Yeah, I think those are lit. Yeah, because those are aftermarket Rizoma turn signals built into the mirrors. Okay. And yeah, I, I okay, interesting. And mm. make sure the key's in the off position. I'll, I'll check yeah. after I do. So this, the newer one, though, the newer one has the uh, the key don't have to be in it thing. So it's got the proximity thing, and you just walk up and press the button. The interesting thing about it is when you park the motorcycle and you turn the handlebars to left or right, yeah, you just press the stop button to shut the motor off. But then you press it again, and it locks the column. Nice. Yeah. Except there's something that, you know, it can go horribly wrong. So after I was the high bidder on that, but it didn't meet reserve, which is called subject two, which means I got to call the seller and say, you want $6,200. This numbnuts from Cleveland is down here. He's willing to give you 42 or whatever. How bad do you want this bike and whatever? And, And let the debating begin. And then you have an intermediary who works on their own behalf because that's the company that hosts the auction. They want the sale to happen because they get paid by the buyer and by the seller. And so when you buy these things, there's a buyer's fee and there's a seller's fee. And the seller's fee is a certain amount and the buyer's fee is based on what the bike costs. Um, So I bought, I didn't buy that. I was the high bidder, which makes you very excited. So the auctioneer is doing his thing, blah, 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 blah. And you're like raising a little thing up or like squinting or whatever it is you do to signify that you're bidding. People are very clandestine about it. Other people are just like, fuck, I'm bidding. You know I'm bidding. We're all in the same room together. I don't need to hide the fact that I'm bidding. Do you try to hide it? No, I don't. Because I have not discovered the advantage to hiding it when these auctions last about 93 seconds. So if I hide it, how does that help me versus the man who is 40 feet from me? He Plus is going you know to somebody bid on it anyway. So he is going to bid, hiding. and you're also bidding against people on the internet. So you're bidding against online bidders <laughs> who can hide it better than anyone else in that room. Because <laughs> when on your phone on the internet while you're in the same well, room. <laughs> no, no, I've had Renee here. Yeah, Renee doing the online bidding here while I'm down there. So uh, she's watching the she's watching the cruiser aisle while I'm watching the sport bike aisle. Mm-hmm. She's bidding remotely. I'm bidding on site. She has exactly the same amount of pull as I do. The difference is she can't visibly inspect right. the bikes the way I can. But I can tell her which ones to bid on and which ones not to. Yeah. Yeah. The Goldwing count was hilarious. We'll talk about the Goldwings later, but you know, that's for me and you privately. Don't worry about that. Private. That's not for the a podcast. Private listeners. discussion. And I have a follow-up yeah. on the Goldwing discussion. I know. We're, we're, we're going we're to let that simmer. Yeah. Uh, on the Widow Goldwing. Yeah, the, the Widow Goldwing. So the podcast listeners are going to love that because that's a saga that's been going on for quite some while. Okay, so now... And how do we love that moniker? It's the best. <laughs> the, widow. the Widow Goldwing is so cool. Now, not to be outdone, 20 bikes later, we stumble upon yet another Ducati Multistrada, oh, also in a fetching shade of red. No. <clears throat> but this one has saddlebags. Hard saddlebags. The luxury touring package. But this one's not a Multistrada 1200. No, friends. This is a 2011 Multistrada S. And what the S stands for is Olean's. Olean's suspension. It's the premium suspension package. In fact, not only in this case is it the premium suspension package, but it's the electronically controlled and adjustable suspension package. It's the 7ECU. It is. (laughs) It is the one where you can say, I am me. I am me with luggage. I am me and my girlfriend. I am me and my girlfriend in luggage. 
and I can press a button to make the bike change the way its suspension works without having to indignify myself by touching knobs and turning So this them. is Olin's designing the electronics, not yes. the Italian. Yes, this okay. is an Olin okay. system. Just making sure. Thank you, just making sure. Yeah, so it might just keep the electrons work. away from the Italians. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is coming from someone right. who owns two Italian cars, and I'm actually an Italian citizen, so... <laughs> Are you really? Yeah, I am. I knew the Nick DeVito thing was yeah. clearly Italian, but, yeah. Italians mm. suck. <laughs> I electricity. We're, we're sorry with about the whole war thing. Again, <laughs> we're not going to call them up for their space program. Right. We'll call your, your uh, mom for her spaghetti sauce recipe. Yeah. So, <laughs> this one came up, and again, all the bidders that were feverishly bidding on the, you know, the, the, the all the FZ, like the FZ09s and like, and, uh, and all the Hayabusas and all the GSXRs and all the shit. The people are feverishly bidding. And then they get to this Ducati Multistrada, and it just got very quiet. And I was like, bring it on. I'm willing to go there. And apparently I'm the only person who's willing to do it. I love these motorcycles, and I appreciate them. against yourself? <laughs> no, I, at one time I did accidentally bid against myself. I got a little excited, and I threw, I threw my hand up twice. But yeah, the new one, the one that I have to go get. So how this happens um, is uh, just for the fun. That's like I said, is that's a Multistrada 1200S, the one, the, the fourth one I bought. It's an S, and it has the touring luggage, the center stand, the heated grips, all on it. Fifty six hundred and seventy five dollars. Wow, that's a good price too for a 2011 Ducati touring motorcycle. Um, clean bill of health, everything, but. Here's the fun thing. I got the two motorcycles first. I knew that I was the winner of those. They weren't subject to. They were, I was the high bidder. I bought the EX650 Ninja, and I bought the NC700 XC. They were mine, no subject to. So I had my red pickup truck, Robert, red Ford, and I had my ramp, and I loaded my bikes up and tied them down, and off I fucked. And I proceeded northbound. And I got myself north of Kings Island, and my phone rang. And they said, you're subject to on the Ducati. The guys agreed to negotiate. Let the battle ensue. And uh, like I said, we agreed on $4,600. So I had to turn around. So I had to turn around, and I had to then rent a U-Haul trailer. Because I don't want to pay a lonely truck driver to deliver this bike from Cincinnati to Cleveland. Because right, I saw I saw your Facebook <coughs> post, and I don't remember seeing any Ducatis. Right. Well, because they came later in the game. Okay. Okay. And so, my first tip is, if you're going to try to rent a U-Haul, you may be tempted to use your thumb-powered device. You may be tempted to go to Google Maps. You may be tempted to type in U-Haul and see a U-Haul station near where you want to pick it up. And there's a phone number there with an area code that matches where that station is. And you'll call that number and you'll be fooled into thinking that you're talking to a person that's in the building where the U-Hauls are. Don't be trailers. fooled. Don't be fooled. God you're talking to a woman in a prison in Indiana, I think. Or hmm. India. Maybe. This woman <laughs> this sounded like men. a prison in India. <laughs> Indiana. But in any case, <clears throat> don't do that. 
find the name of the place you're dealing with, like Dalco Transmission or whatever it is, and call them directly. Because any number that's listed there is not the number of the business. It's a number generated by U-Haul so that you're calling what you think to be the business's number, but you're calling a United States hub. Their corporate agent. Their corporate agent or whatever. And they're no good at telling you what's in the parking lot at that particular moment. They're no good at that one time. Yeah, they're no good at telling you what you actually have and what they have on hand. No, it can really be a problem because they sent me to three different fucking U-Hauls. That happened to me too. So I had I to drive around like I a didn't. pinball to three different U-Hauls yeah. chasing this trailer that I needed to rent. I'm surprised they didn't piss you off a little bit. It might have. All right. But, you know, I was coming on the heels of like nine hours of hard driving, so what the hell, I, you know, I'm at the top of my game. That's there's it. Still, there's got to be a perfect vehicle out there for A couple you. shots of albuterol. I know, <laughs> I know that vans have been good to you and yeah. pickup trucks oh, and everything, cool. but, like, you just need the thing that can hold two cars yeah. or <laughs> ten bikes. Yeah. <laughs> It's, a, it's basically like and get it's, good gas it's basically a school bus and you hollow it out, yeah. but it can't get good nah, gas mileage. Nah, nah, nah. Because that Ford, that F-150 pulls in about 18 miles per gallon. Well, you know your trailer's down, or your your ramp is down on the parking lot. I know. Line. Okay. Well, I was, I'm, we've been very busy around here lately, so that that well, truck right gone, now. it's gone, but it was down an yeah, hour. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Well, that, that ramp is in what we call the ready position. So at any moment, I can throw a bike in there and deliver it. It's ready to take it. It's ready to take it. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's like John here. Yep. Uh, yeah, <laughs> the spit has already been applied. So but, we verified. Yes, that those turn signals are very dimly lit mm-hmm. with the key in the off position. Wow, that's yeah. parasitic draw. Parasitic I believe so. That's a parasitic draw. Are they LEDs? Or are they're they? LEDs. LEDs. So they're LEDs and they're non-stock. So that's an interesting thing. So the stock turn signals on that motorcycle were not those things. And that's very interesting to know. So there's a problem there. The parasitic draw, parasitic loss. It's not for game. us, just for you. Well, and it's super low. I mean, it's a super tiny low. I, I looked at them. They look yeah. like they're on. I'm like, no, nah, that's probably the light. Yeah, I yeah. Did this, I did right. this. And I wrapped my head around them. Yeah. So they're really on. I they're just so. super dim. With the key off. The key turn out. Turn the key on, and then yeah. turn the key off. I didn't yeah. pull the key all the way out. Yeah, I mean, it shouldn't matter, right? But anyway, that's a good thing to know. Aftermarket stuff. We talked about electrons before, and wiring that into can like drive safety. you crazy. Can bus systems, especially if you were say, trying to work yeah, on that yeah. in the daylight, mm-hmm. or in, you know, you would never even see. No. Oh, you'd never suspect it. At it all. was hard to d- discern it in the shop here. At and I've had that bike off the battery tender for a couple of weeks at a time, no problem. And I rode it a couple of times it's last week. Barely milliamps, so yeah, it might milliamps. not even be enough to really notice. You much. might not notice if you rode it once every three weeks. Might be really cool, like if it's like pitch black, you can always find your bike. Eh, I think Lady I'd like buck, to get to the Lady bottom buck. of that. Yeah. Again, when you replace incandescent bulbs with uh, LED bulbs, weird things happen. Strangely enough, it's, it's certain bikes have a problem with that. This bike does. The I'm pointing at the SV650, where all of the turn signals, all the marker lights have been replaced with uh, LEDs. And when you are driving the bike, there is a pulsation in the indicators on the dashboard. Hmm. They'll just pulsate. As though you were like flashing your left turn signal, right turn signal rapidly. Yet there's no illumination coming from the front of the bike at all. And then when you turn the turn signals on, they operate normally. Because you must use the bulbs as like a sink or something. I have no idea. It's very frustrating. And sometimes you have to put like inline resistors yes. to make the LEDs work. Yeah. At which point, you might as well just have regular bulbs in there. Right, because you're creating the same load. Yeah. That's exactly right. So, Are you guys yeah. talking about LEDs? 
We were talking a little bit about LEDs and oh, about, about how no, right no, now. No. So right now, the, like the, the, Ducati, the Ducati's <laughs> turned off. Yeah, the Ducati's totally turned off. But there is a glimmer in the LEDs of the Ducati turn signals, even though the bike is turned off mm-hmm. and the key's out. They're self-energizing. Ooh, they're picking up from the static electricity. They're picking up from the fluorescent lighting. Static electricity. Inductive. And those are aftermarket bulbs. They're Rizomas, yeah. Um, There's some sort of parasitic draw that is not noticeable with incandescent bulbs because they won't light up. Because they will not light Mm -hmm. up. But with LEDs, they require so little power that they will light up. Interesting. Um, So weird. Could it be a part of the diagnostic from the, from the, the... the dashboard from mm-hmm. the system, so it probably throws a, a light if one mm-hmm. of the light bulbs goes out. Yep. Could be. So maybe yep. it knows that a light bulb is goes out whenever it loses continuity. Yep. So it's running because a lot of systems like that run like one and a half volts or or just like one and point two volts mm-hmm. through it at, at milliamps. At, at milliamps, yeah. just so that it can tell if it's been grounded or broken right. circuit. That's right. Yep. And that's enough that it's lighting. Yeah. The LED. Yeah. And a lot of them, too, they don't have a separate flash circuit. It's built into the dashboard. Absolutely. And those are nightmarish. Uh, because God Kimcos. knows. What's that? The Kimcos, right? Well, a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of them. That do that. BMW Rydals. is guilty of it, too. Motoguzzi's done it a couple of times. Where the um, the flash unit is a digital flash unit. It's built into the dashboard. And then somebody goes jiggering around, like, adding turn signals to their bike for extra visibility and ends up burning a, up a $700 dashboard. Mm-hmm. You know, as, we deal a know, lot with the IOs, input outputs, and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and that's very common. That they sit there with a reference voltage of one point some volts. Interesting. So you can ground it, yeah. and it'll show a change. Yep. Or you can put twelve volts to it, and it'll show a change. change. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, how do you want to show the change? It's really something. Yeah. And we've got it right here. So there's that. Yep. We can see illumination where there shouldn't be illumination at this condition of the key. So that's pretty interesting shit. Uh, I want to talk for a second about. Monkey bikes and cubs. Oh boy! But first, the widow Goldwing. What's the, the update on the widow Goldwing? Because where we left the story, if I'm not mistaken, didn't we leave the story that the bike had mildew. in the garage <laughs> excessive mildew, excessive corrosion? I saw some harsh words spoken in text messages. Again, again, yes, there were. Well, she texted me last night. Did she really? Yes, she did. Okay. Then she's decided, which, I mean, she's a nice lady. Again, what year is this bike? It's a 2008. Excellent. You call her a nice lady. Does she call you a nice man? Probably not, but... Okay. And this is the titanium... He's a hard man. ...gray-colored... He's a hard man. A hard man's good to find, um, and a good man's hard to find. She said, thanks for coming to look at the motorcycle. I'm, uh, I... Took your offer to careful consideration, and I'm going to try to sell it on my own. On your own. And right. I said, right. no That's problem. the nicest way to respond. Yeah, and I yeah. said, no problem. It was nice meeting you, but being a mechanic, I see the worst in every bike that I look at, and yep. I know that things snowball, and, yep. and uh, one small problem could turn into an avalanche, and then it's going to cost nice me a lot of money with a bike that's not that I don't know is running. Yeah, it's been, and that is probably. And I didn't tell her it was probably filled with water. I mean, the crank's got water in it. It's got all these other things. Yeah. So I said, but just keep me in mind. And if you don't sell it, give me a call. Right. And then I'll really rate. That's oh. if you're, that's, no, that's mutually respectful. It is very yeah. respectful, and, and, yeah. and it's fine because if, it, if it's meant to be, I right. I'm a fatalist. So 
I believe if it's meant to be, it's meant to be, and so be it. Yeah, yeah it's fair. The, uh, sorry, just had to do that. The, uh, the, uh, there was a 1983 Goldwing at this auction. Which is the best 1100 you, you could buy. And it was running. And it received bids. And it sold. Would anyone like to guess at what price it sold? What was he see? It's eleven hundred. Okay, eleven hundred. So last year they Quick. made the eleven hundred. Anyone have an opinion? Bucks. Throw it out right now. Nine hundred. Five hundred dollars. Oh my god! Wow. Five hundred dollars. <throat> Woof. Is running. what a running? Well, claimed to be running. Oh. Okay, claimed to be running. They're pretty good. This I will tell you. This company is very fucking careful about the way they describe shit. If if this got if this bike has got a fucking smudge on it, they're going to tell you it's got so a smudge. Is it an Aspen Cade or an Interstate or? A it's an Interstate. Interstate. So it's an interstate. it had the analog gauges. Yep. There's an Interstate, yeah, that's and it had a whole bunch of JC Whitney Chrome on it, and a whole bunch of JC Whitney Gold plating on it. Huh. And I don't stuff, know how many miles it had on it. Stuffed animals, on but the it was back. burgundy. Stuffed yes. Um, there were more than one bike there with wood on it, okay. and that's <laughs> all I was going to tell you. If there, yeah, I uh, see what I say. That wood. If you have wood on your motorcycle. Nah, fuck you. Right. There were a lot of there were a couple of Honda shadows with wood and trailer hitches. Um, go figure. But again, that's another weird fetish. That's a whole new podcast, parts. there, baby. Yeah, it is. Uh, we, when I, when I was a kid, that. we used to hang out at this Burger King. It was like all the cars were there, the motorcycles were there. Right across the street was a red barn. Yeah, and this is probably lost on anyone. It's not from Cleveland, but the there's red barn. red, no, red, red barn. barn. Yeah, and right across the street, and the the Red Barn Riders were all Goldwing guys. <gasps> the Red Barn Riders, yeah. Oh shit! And they all had like Alf or like whatever yeah. these stuffed animals. Some mascot on the back, wow. yeah. Some gorilla. Yeah. So they were the butt of many jokes. Oh, I'm sure they were. The Red Bum Riders, uh, yeah. That was there. That was there. And the only thing that underperformed that in the sales department, <laughs> underperformed that, was the '92 Katana. Ooh. The '92 Katana actually. Underperformed can of tuna. Yep, three fifty. It couldn't. It couldn't yeah. break four hundred. It wouldn't break four hundred. And the the auctioneer was even like, "Come on, guys. <laughs> we agreed to sell this thing for the owner, so it's got a title. It runs. It's here. You can touch it. <laughs> Has three hundred dollars worth of tires on it. Right. <laughs> it might. It might or might not." And uh, it, it is very humbling to see when you go to these auctions, remember that yeah. every person bidding to get through the doors, you have to be a dealer. You have to have a $100,000 line of credit. Mm -hmm. You have to be vetted. This is not the AMA Vintage Days auction where it's going to be like, I'm here. You know, Everybody in there is going to make a purchase and pay for it before they leave the building. You know, at fear of never being let in there again. So when a 83 Goldwing or whatever goes for $500, that's what it's worth. Don't fool yourself into thinking yours is worth 1100 or 1200 or 1300 because everybody who's in that building is a fucking professional. Like, this is not a room of amateurs. This is a room of people who have done this for a living for many, many years. Mm -hmm. And it was awesome to watch people just go, nonverbal cues, hands crossed, head down, do not make eye contact with the auctioneer. 
You don't want to mistakenly buy that. You do not want to mistakenly bid. Because remember, when your people are bidding, some people bid with a wink and a nod. Some people bid with a smile. Some people bid, like we said, it's they're hiding their bid. Some this people, was the one time. Some people at the guy that raises his hand. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. You, oh, look, if you're ever in a motorcycle auction, you will check yourself frequently. You will realize, I'm, I need to itch my nose. I'm going to turn around quietly and walk 30 feet away and itch my nose. That could be your cue. It is a lot. Walking away. And- right. So I saw him. He walked away. And, I mean, I make it fucking clear. I use thumb signals when I'm out. I'm going to give them a thumbs out, turn around, and show my show my ass. Literally, show them my ass. Tail I'm feathers. done building. I'm done bidding. I mean, if I, when I'm at an auction, if I throw yeah. my dick over my shoulder, that means good. If, so I good. Tap it, if I tap it on the ground, I'm out. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tapping out. I'm officially not bidding anymore. So, I mean, that's the thing. It always so gets now, their attention, especially if it's a lady auctioneer. How many bids have you won? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> so Pete, do you currently own a monkey bike? Negative. Why? Pussy. <clears throat> well, that's a long story. Well, we have got about twenty minutes. Okay. <laughs> Give me four. Give me four. I got a call exactly one week ago. Well, okay. six days ago from Steve, who was at a dealer, says he has a monkey available. There was a monkey there. In captivity. A guy guy had put a bunch of money down on it, and something happened in his life, and I happened to, I was in there looking at another bike. So the guy had prepaid. He had prepaid, and he... On the monkey. Right. And it just so happens that they thought these bikes were coming in in two months, Mm -hmm. and the bike came in. I mean, they... You're saying it showed up early? The... The bike showed up early. Do we so, think at this point the dealer was going to give that person their deposit back? I think they probably will. Okay. I mean, I think they probably will. At least most the of their deposit back. I okay. Mean, the guy put a lot. She said they put a lot of money down. Okay. Right. So, All right. And they're a very good dealership. So yeah. they, I would imagine they gave their the deposit back. Fair enough. So Excuse me. Uh, I was talking to her and she's, she, I said, well, I said, do you have any monkeys? Yeah. Because they're, they're very, like, he was telling me it's so, they're real hard to get. They have dealerships that want six of them because they want to use them as giveaways with cars and, like, uh, like uh, contests, like wow. give away a monkey a month or something. But wow. but no dealership can get them. They can right. only get, like, two at a time mm-hmm. or one or two. And their production is, like, way behind, so they're having a hard time supplying them. So, so I happened to be in there, and, and I said... Do you have any monkeys? And she said, as it happens. Funny you should ask. Yeah. Uh, the, we just had a cancellation. We have one. We, we're, getting, we're getting them in next week. Right. And we have a cancellation. And if you want it, it's yours. And I said, well, I have a friend who's right. looking for one. And I said, what color is it? And does it have ABS? You could be so, the first kid on your block to have a monkey. Right. So... That was Saturday, wait, Saturday, right? It was last Saturday, Saturday yeah. Saturday. I was at so, work when she called me. So, because she was pricing up something for me, and um, and so I said, they called Pete, and Pete's like, oh, maybe I'll come in Monday. And mm-hmm. I said, well, my friend's going to come in Monday. Right. And she's like, well, it's, it was towards the end of the day. Thank and it was Saturday. Day. Yeah, so they're well, closed on Sunday. somebody coming in, and they're close. And so... Um, Here's a long so, story short. Yeah. I <laughs> Thank you. 
as as I wanted to like let commit, me explain. As no, I wanted that's to too commit, much. Let me sum up. As I wanted to commit over the phone, <laughs> tell you. Steve to tell the woman, I'll yeah. take it. Put me on the phone with her. Yeah, I want it because yeah, I got the money in my pocket. I'll, I'll, yeah, I will you're buy ready. a monkey. I'm ready yeah, to go. You're ready to buy a monkey. But Monday was the guy was coming to pick up my bike to ship to. We're going to the trip to Baja. So, yeah, and I'm like, I was. I had a lot of balls in the air. I'm juggling yeah. shit. So, yeah. But the bike is still available, and I may go get it tomorrow because, yeah. Because oh, that. Man. Yeah, because Steve so told me. A week later. A week later. Yeah, exactly. This hot commodity is still, still, no. still playing with his dick here on this whole yeah. Exactly. I'm I'm the dickhead that Phil dang. talks about all the time. Yeah. Like, yeah, if, if you had this and that, I'd buy it. Well, I've been saying that on the podcast for a year, that I, I would buy a Freaking a monkey. monkey. It's and all, all you do is pick up the fucking phone. Say, "Here's my card number. Here's twelve hundred bucks." Well, they won't Deposit. take. They won't take a card. Yeah, they will. They want cash money. Yeah, they'll take but, a card. Well, anyhow. this place probably wouldn't because they aren't even charging prep. Right. So it was a really. I mean, really, you get an awesome deal at it, and I, I love that dealership because it's a it's a husband and wife, and they've been married for forty years. And, and what did that dealership start people. as? Started as uh, Penton. I mean, Penton Honda, the, which was John Penton. Penton right. Which anyone who knows anything about motorcycles knows John Penton, knows the KTM story, knows the SAC story. He's willing to take credit card deposits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, they probably, they probably but, would take no, it, it is a great, it is a great mean, dealership. He's losing 3% on it, so... So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm going there tomorrow before Pete gets home. Call right now and leave yeah. a message and tell him you want to pick it up. Okay, is it a yeah. yellow monkey or a red monkey? It's a red monkey. It's a red monkey. Oh, so red, that's with ABS. Non-ABS. 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 It's a red monkey. Okay. Does well, that? Do you need ABS on a monkey? I don't. Probably not. Yeah. It's probably... But for $200 more, I mean... Yeah, I totally well. get it. You might so as well. You does your cup have ABS? But it's got to be yellow to get the ABS? No. Yes. Well... Yes, you can I get a red was, with ABS. No. Yes, I don't. I, I think they told me that it doesn't matter. Really? Okay, all right. I digress. Matter. Okay, anyhow, I digress. Doesn't really matter. The Who ABS owns the bike now? So nobody. The initial question was, yeah. do I own a monkey at this point? No, I do no, not. You but you're trying to you're going to try to see yeah. if you can make that. Yeah, yeah, I am. And by the way, this was this? the worst possible week for Steve to call me when I'm I was sorry. at work. I didn't, I mean, I didn't. No, I'm sorry, it gives me an opportunity. I appreciate right the opportunity. I was like, to pay full retail plus 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 to buy a brand new motorcycle, right? That's what it is. So while he's not buying in the fantasy monkey league, right? (laughs) While he was busy doing this, while he was busy not buying a bike, you did buy a bike. I saw you dangling a keychain. That looks like the same keychain on my uh, brand new Interceptor F, uh, uh, VFR twelve hundred. That's what it is. Uh, I mean, it's just a, you bought this, an Interceptor no twelve hundred. No, nope. I bought a Super Cub. Whoa, 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 whoa! That's the key to a Super Cub. It's the key to a Super Cub. Get the fuck out of here! Have a key. Get out of here! Push the button. It's got a. Uh, if you touch it, it sets off an alarm. It's got an anti theft alarm. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> wait, 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 wait! We are still talking about the vehicle that moves Vietnamese people from point A to point B. Yes, we are. So when I was talking to Pete, the owner comes up to me and says, "Oh, by is the way, is this a C one hundred two? He he walks by me like this. He says, "Oh, by the way, you know, I told you like in two months your bike would be here. Yeah, it'll be here the thirteenth. We'll see you next week." And he just walk, keeps walking. So get the fuck like, out of here next week. I'm like, so, I was so psyched because that is hilarious. And whatever. And so they had 
there was a couple other bikes I was looking at. I was looking at they had a, a rally, a two fifty rally, yeah, which I really rally. like, and it was a good yeah. deal. Yeah. yeah, and then they had uh, they have a actually seven fifty X, which is they have right. a good deal on it. But yeah. I'm just trying to, like I said, I'm looking for bikes that my wife could ride on. So anyway, this week they call me. And they said, they and it just the happens to be They're closed on the thirteenth, thirty-one seconds after the snow melted. Right. Yeah. And it was sixty degrees yeah. out, and they called me up, and they're like, "Your bike's sitting right here, and it's ready for you." And I'm like, they "Ran to the bank, got the cash, went in there." And Dale's like, "You probably know more about this bike than I do." Yes, you definitely <laughs> know more than Dale does. Because, yeah, because, yeah. because I, you know, I'm a nerd for Yo, yeah, for yeah, Super yeah. Cubs. Yeah. And I, when I walked in there, I just looked at it, and I was like, it, it was, in person, it was stunning. I and mean, to him, it it's just a 14% profit margin that he's asked to, he's had to ask, answer way too many questions about. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the hardest 14% he's going to make this week. Because, of course... Well, I didn't even ask any questions. No, you the, came in, bought it. The day, the right. day I saw it online, yeah. well, I saw it online... Mm-hmm. That they were going to bring the monk, they were going to bring the monkey bike right. and the super cub to United States. The first day right was announced. The, the first day was announced. I went right to the dealership and I gave them a deposit. Nice, because I don't no paralysis by analysis yeah, here. I don't need. Yeah. I know what I want. I know so, what I want. <laughs> so I picked it up. You know, they, I went through the paperwork. I paid for it, and I, it, there was like a thirty-five mile an hour headwind <laughs> going home. So I asked, uh, "What's the break-in on this?" And he's like. Ride it like you're gonna ride it. Come on, dude! It's a computer controlled. Is it fuel injected? It's fuel injected. It's anti lock brakes. It's got the sophisticated anti theft system on it. Is it fuel injected? Of course, it's fuel injected. It's a C one hundred two one twenty five. C E L E S E K but it's got a it's got a speedometer like a 1950s car like across the top it's okay. got a, the whole top of the speedometer is is the speed, I mean the whole top of the like the gauge cluster, the cluster is yeah. uh, it looks like a, like a 50s Chrysler car oh. sounds so nice you probably want to have two well let me tell you <laughs> So, so I picked it up yesterday, and I rode it as much as I could until it started raining. Mm-hmm. I put it away. How many Maybe miles? I, I there's probably twenty miles on it. Okay. I mean, because right. I because it started. Ra- I rode it right back to work. I was riding yeah. around. It started raining. So they had a rack, and I mean, I wanted to buy the rack for the back so I could put the obligatory milk crate on it. Yes, you have to have a milk crate on the back. So, <laughs> and it should say, thou shalt not seal that on the right. milk crate. That's where the Vietnamese rear. people put their family. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so All of the cotton there. on the planet. So I went back to the dealership today, today to pick up the, the rack, and I was looking at that rally again because oh, yeah. I really yeah. kind of... And so then I, I got to talking to, to them, and I said, well, like, what's the deal with these these bikes? I mean, I said, I absolutely love this. It's the, my favorite bike I've ever purchased in my life. It's a, it's a favorite thing I've I've heard ever, that before. Ain't buyer's remorse a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, really, I I just like little bikes like that. Oh, yeah. And I love yeah. Cubs. I've I mean, always loved on. Cubs. And, and Steve, I know you could pan Steve, me. when I first met you. I had a Cub. You had a Cub, and it was at a Mara Vespa. And we, uh, I talked with you a little bit. I was riding that uh, purple and white Yamaha CS5. Yes. 72 CS5. Yes. And I talked with Steve. That's the first time I met Steve and talked with him. And 
We kind of hung out. We were fringers on the whole scooter. Right, thing. it was the Lakewood Tavern, wasn't it? Or was it like, uh, no, it was a uh, Bunce Tavern, not Warren yeah, Tavern. Warren Tavern. Warren Tavern. The old Warren, Warren Tavern. Tavern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. And then they tore it down. Well, How long ago was that? Well, a minute. It's a long time. I got a Warren Tavern story for you. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I did too. Go ahead. So I went in there. I looked Mine's at the rally today. No, I doubt it. And then, and then I started talking to him, and I said, "This bike, I get this. I'm getting a feeling about this bike. Like I get a feeling about the PC 800, the TLR 200. Every single bike I've ever purchased, nobody buys them." And then they stop importing them, right. and you can't get them ever yeah. again. And so they're like, well, this year they're only importing 500 in the United States. So the entire amount of Cub, Super Cubs coming in the United States is 500. Get the fuck out no, of here. 500. Really? So I said, 500. I said, how many are you getting in? And he said, well, you have one. We sold one. We're getting one more. And I pulled my wallet out, and I said, here's a deposit for the second one. I said, I love this bike, and and I'm not going to be stuck like I was well, like wishing I had a Trans Alp or wishing I had this, and when I get one, it's beat to hell, and somebody never took care of it, and it's a pile of shit. So I said, here's the money, and I want to buy your, I want, I'm, I'm buying the first one you got in, and I'm buying the third one you got in. I thought you were pulling my chain, Chris. He literally bought two of the same motorcycle. He owns the inventory, cornering the market. I think he's a Honda dealer. Yeah. No, because... No, I think you bought one to own one. You bought the other one because some knucklehead in fucking L.A. is going to be like, I'll pay an extra $4,000 premium to get a Super Cub right now. You know? Who does, like, wipes his ass with $100 bills, and Steve's going to be like, yes, I happen to have one. He who controls the spice controls the... Yeah. You you own a half a percent of all of the... All of the... (laughs) You own point five. You own point five. Well, I hope I'm not like the... Who are those guys that try to corner the silver market in like the 80s? The Hunts. And the Hunts. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. my God. That's hilarious. Well, just keep it parked in your kitchen so it stays nice. So, bye. I think we should use your second Super Cub as a timeshare. There you go. <laughs> I think time, you should list it shares. on uh, Twisted Throttle or one sure. of those... Rider share forums like that, like you know, the Airbnb for motorcycles, bike curious dot com, exactly. <laughs> I think you should list it and see as an experiment because you're doing a stock experiment with your son right now, right? Is that still going on? The investment? Oh yeah, we're yeah, seeing your, your personal pyramid win. scheme. Yeah. Okay, so you could also have like a gentleman's bet, like uh, they did in uh, Trading Places, the Eddie Murphy movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where you could see if that second Super Cub could earn you enough money to buy you a third Super Cub. <laughs> well, actually, what I was thinking of doing with it, yeah, I want to build. I want to finish. Well, my basement's ha- most half finished. Yeah, I want to put a bar in there. Mm-hmm. And I want. I was thinking of like telling him to keep it in the crate, putting plexiglass on oh. the, the thing and leaving it in there and building the bar like building oh, wow. it yeah into building the bar. it into the bar but that's then, the best but idea then, i've ever heard i disagree no but then <laughs> no but then when my first one wears out then yes. i'll just pull that one out and i'll oh, put the, the worn out one in there and i think you could build a crate out of wood put honda logos on it and put your oldest Super Cub, like an old proper old Super Cub in the crate, make that into a bar because that's never going to be as good as what you're experiencing now. Oh, hell no. This thing is... is, It sounds sounds awesome. It's got Uh, like a really deep, throaty, like... 
But it's not too loud, but it's like, you know, <laughs> deep throaty. <laughs> so I know it's got a good okay. frequency. All right. it's how got, can, and then the, that's it's how you can tell what she's giving her all she's got. <laughs> well, I guess we have the second one sitting there. Right. You can see how it goes. If the, you know, next year they sell 15,000. Yeah, I think they will. Yeah. Then, okay. You've got two. It is going to be cool. Then, Look, then you're one of the hunt brothers. No, if there's only five added in the winter. Well, you still have the KO. Right. To the, the KO yeah. version. You have the KO. The first year right. in the United States. Yeah, yeah. So, I agree. I think well, that I number having... 464. I know that. How old do you think you're... Is. How long do you think you're going to be on this planet? Yeah, not that long. Let's let's do the let's do the Honda math not because again, there's thing. no rare Honda. Get run over. Right. <laughs> it's not that fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, give us some like tell us a little bit about the performance. Yeah, that's Willie. You've ridden yeah. it, unlike everybody else. I've who only listen- brought it up to. I've only taken it up to fifty-five, and it had a little more. Well, that's already impressive, right? For a one twenty-five. Yeah. yeah, into the headwind. Yeah, it was doing like forty-five, but I could have kicked it down and like wound it up and flogged it. Yeah, but, but I mean it was brand new. Yeah, I didn't really want to flog the thing. I was didn't kind of very, I was very into the RPMs and was you know, I was kind of So no matter what they told you, over the sims, the sims were one twenty-five, right? Right, and the thing's going to oh, loosen up. So if it does fifty-five now, it'll probably do sixty-two, sixty, sixty-two, and I would think I'll get five. I mean, and that wasn't even full speed, so it'll do sixty right now. And I figure that it'll do a little bit over 60 once it loosens up a little okay. bit. Okay. And you're yeah. 180 pounds or so, right? Well, I'm 250, so. <laughs> I mean, so that thing's lugging around a lot of blubber. Okay, so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. And what was the MSRP? 3599 So it's 400 bucks cheaper. And okay, so anyway, I had that. Uh, she offered me the cub, too. Yeah. And the cub or the monkey? The monkey. I'm sorry. Yeah, she yeah. offered me the monkey, too. Yeah. And I said, you know what? I just let me ride this one first and see if I like it. Yeah, and then I'll I might buy the monkey tomorrow. Right. But tomorrow I ended up buying another Cub because it's got a longer wheelbase, it's got a higher seat, it's 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 like stretched compared it's a different to the monkey. Bike. It's different. Yeah. The yeah. Cub was definitely my preference between the Cub and the monkey, but I will honestly probably end up with a, a, a lightly crashed monkey. Right. I mean, that's the way I will buy it. I but mean, I'll buy it. But it's got tubeless tires. The rims yeah. are really nice. They're nice. The color is... It, the pictures don't do it credit because... Oh, they're good. The color is like uh, like a metallic... The body is like love a metallic blue. Yeah. But the, the white... The leg shield isn't really white. It's really kind of like a super light sea foam. Interesting. So there's a blue tint and to it? it? It's There's a t- slightly blue tint to it. And, and the red seats. It's... Oh. I don't know. I, so, I just I love the thing. I the mean, Simba I, was a one ten, and I did ride the Simba to Detroit. Like I, you know, and I I did that just to test it and stuff. And as a a one a one ten, you know, a Simba one hundred or a Simba one ten, uh, it wasn't fuel injected. It, it is a drum brake in the front. It really can't hold a candle to the Cub. It, it just can't. That weird. So, head, the, I like the Simbas too. You know, I was looking for one for a while. They were twenty five hundred bucks. But that yeah. stacked, the stacked like speedometer yes. thing yeah. was kind of weird. And this thing weird. is yeah. everything in it is like a tribute to. It's like a tri- It's like Zen. It's when real Art Deco. It, it's, it's it's real cool. I mean, but that's Honda for you. Too. It is you know? Honda for you. Yeah, that's true. But it's so much better. Like I mean, you look at some of these bikes. Okay, 
and I like I I mean I'm a Honda guy. I have mm-hmm. I mo- own mostly Hondas, mostly Hondas and some BMWs, but some of the Hondas like in the last few years, like the last ten years, some mm-hmm. of them are cheap. Like cheap. Oh yeah, absolutely. This thing is not. It's, no, it you looks can't, You great. can't say it is cheap at all. The the fenders are thicker than the old ones. Yeah. The thing is heavy. I mean, it's it's a heavier like compared to the old passports. Yeah. And those C70s, C50s, it's heavy. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you straight off, sitting on the one at the show and looking at it and feeling the way it was built, it feels like they're losing money on that bike. But what do I know? Right? I wish it had the tombstone taillight, though. Mm, yeah. I mean, the European... The European taillight. Well, you can fix so that in the better. aftermarket. Yeah, yeah you can but, fix uh, that in the aftermarket. But the, so uh, I'm not, I'm not, I had no bars or more. So I mean, I went in there, I wanted to hug those people for selling it to me. Yeah, I, and I mean, and, what a cool experience you had, yeah, too, I mean, because you're in there being you. You're in there just, you know, kind of worshiping at the altar of motorcycles. And the guy comes in and tells you, hey, the bike that you know isn't going to be in for a couple more weeks yet is going to be in in like five days. That's a very cool experience. I mean, that's a great thing to be able to tell somebody. Um, I think price, he read you know, his buyer, though. I think you're right. Well, yeah, and, and he might have, but it I doesn't really right. matter. There wasn't much he, reading. There wasn't even barely offered, and you put a down payment. I well, this is, I mean, we do that. You know what you I want, mean, you Look, buy we it. do that here, too. You know what you want, you're buying it. We've had people that came in and bought a $20,000 zero SRF sight unseen just because of the press release, just because of the fact that they know there's going to be something out that's going to have these performance characteristics. They're going to drop twenty grand. You know, they might already have an older model of zero, and they're just waiting for this to be released. I got a guy right now who's upside down. I mean, he's upside down on an on a bike he bought last year. Doesn't the blood rush to his head? Or? Financially, he's bleeding from all orifices. There's no way that I can take his bike in on trade. There's no way that his finance company will let him buy the new one. There's nowhere to hide equity, negative equity. Like it's a very weird situation. He's a guy that financed a bike in 2018 and wants to buy the 2019 version, but he owes more on the 2018 than it could possibly be worth. Can he ask his mom for more money? That's what it's going to come down to. <laughs> that is exactly what it's going to come down to. He is in a very desperate situation because he owns the last of the old generation when the first of the new generation has shown up. And the first of the new generation always devalues the last of the old generation. Like the it doesn't matter what it is. It really doesn't matter what it is. Um, so that's a very, I mean, he wants it more than anything. But he's got a problem was that he's financially overextended in the old one. And he can't trade that old one in for love or money because nobody's going to want to buy that old one. Hmm. When dealers have the old one sitting there, for two thousand less than he paid for a brand new one in the crate, mm-hmm. tough position to be in. Financing's a weird mistress, so that's a that's a tough a tough spot to be in when your when your only goal is to say, well, I want to pay X dollars per month. When you're operating on that side of the coin, you forget that the outlay may be bigger than the value of the item you're actually buying. Right. So it's a real scary place. I, that's where I tend to operate in cash only because <coughs> I know what everything costs. I know how much it is because it is right now, not in the future is. And plus, I know that regardless of depreciation, this is what I'm paying for it. So it's a tough one. It, it's really challenging when you've got an item like this. 
This is year one, model one, version one of your bike. As you said, there's only 500 of them. And it's not like some bike that they trotted out that has a little plaque on it that says, limited edition, one of only 500. You where got it's, the money. You got the money? Where it's intended. You for, I mean, I just you, you got the money. Cash. Yeah. I mean, things but, that are intended to be collectible aren't. The things that are worth the most are the things that were never intended to be collectible, but yet they're still here in their mm-hmm. in running condition. But see, I'm not, I'm not there yeah. to collect it. No. I'm there because, well, everybody in this room knows I ride my passport more than I ride Hell anything else. Hell, yes. I, mean, I ride my C70 more than anything else. Yep. But this is like, this is like Super Cub Nirvana. It is. Compared to everything else. And I've been watching... I mean, you know, who cares? I watch YouTube videos on mm-hmm. this. They have guys racing these things, scraping <laughs> the pegs, you know, they're going around the turns, and then they're comparing it to the C110, which was the, the Super Cub 110. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they have, the, like, the, the, the guy who races Groms, like the head guy in Japan who races Groms, and he's taking the two Super Cubs around, and he's like, the new Super Cub. And they're talking in Japanese, but they have subtitles. Oh, yeah? And, and he's like, yeah, we're, this one, it's one <laughs> second faster. And, and than Steve's the old jacking one. off the whole time. You know, it's like <laughs> <laughs> with with Rotella. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some more of that T six. I need another quart. It's getting the friction's really oh heating things up. <laughs> but I mean, I'm gonna ride it. And like I said, like I told him, I'm I'm not gonna sell this bike. And so this is a one twenty five. It's 125. 125. And the, and the Monkey's 125 as well, right? Yeah. Is this the same engine? Yeah. You know, the only thing that would make this be better, like, why so haven't they done a CT 125? Well, hey, as, as, it, as it happens. Now, wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. You know, if you are in, if you're a fetishist of the horizontal Honda motor... You're going to know the only thing that's better than the monkey bike and me- better than the Cub is the CT. Because everybody rode a CT. So I are you up. trying to tell me that there's going to be a CT 125 circa 2019? Let's just say I might have seen a picture circulated of a CT 125, not the original CT 125 that looked kind of like a motorcycle that came out in Was it sitting having a cold, ice cold beer with a Sasquatch and a Chupacabra? <laughs> no, it was actually... I'm surprised it didn't have uh, that that uh, German like... Scatter camouflage? Scatter camouflage on it, but yeah. it looked it looked like um, it had the, it has the 125... It, you know, it's got the, the air, engine, the, the gram, right. the whole yeah. platform that they're using right. for right. the gram, the cub, okay. and the, the thing. I did not see the a box for dual range. No, well, that would just be ridiculous. Yeah, Boo. but but I mean, oh maybe, whatever. But I would think that that would be a good option to have on that bike. It has the knobby front tires. It's got. It looks exactly like a CT one ten only beefier. What was the nomenclature on the side of it? I saw the CT picture. CT 125. I thought it was CC. Charlie no, Charlie. CT 125. Okay. All right. I'm looking. I'm looking. Because what I'm seeing ain't that. So. Oh, you, you're right. I thought it was CC. No, Charlie you're Charlie. Right. Yeah. I thought it was Charlie Charlie 125. Right? You can't call it a CT because it doesn't have the low range transmission. doesn't have low speed transmission. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm Googling that hard right now. 
and I can't find a CC125. I'm wondering if this is a not a mock-up and if that picture they're just saying that that's what the displacement is of it. It's right. not a, actually a CT125, but they're saying that it's a C that, that this it's a 125cc. Okay. But, all right. All right. All but right. it's got the it doesn't have the leg shields. It's got the two forks. It's got two drum brakes instead of Wouldn't uh, that essentially be a Trail 125? Trail 125. Or I just found a picture of it. It's real it exists. Oh god. Which hasn't been produced since when? The Honda Cross Cub. Mm-hmm. That's what Ooh. the CC stands for. Cross Cub. That makes sense. <gasps> well, I got to tell you as a, as a person who's owned more than my share of CTs, and you have too, mm-hmm. it does not have the high pipe that we've come to associate with the CT. That's true. It does not have the high pipe of a trail, but it does say CC110 on the uh, side case. And it clearly, I got to say this, I'm more impressed with the Super Cub than I am with the CC110. So if anybody's trying to do uh, image search or anything on the interwebs, it's called the Cross Cub 110, which wouldn't shock me if it turned out to be a 125 to follow suit with the Grom same platform. Platform. Because right, they might as well use. The they same might as well use the same shit. Yeah. The right. crossover, a life and play. Cross Cub 110 and Cross Cub 50 if launched you zoom in Japan. Zoom in on the side panel. It says a life. The crossover. Oh, does it? A life and play. Really. Yeah. I can't. I, okay. All right. I'm not willing to commit to that level of right here. awesomeness. It does because that's totally Japanese. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Most fun, happy monster vehicle bike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Sign me up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Kaiju warning. Yeah. Uh, but okay. So yeah. So anyway, I gotta say I that bucks down on the CT one ten. <laughs> yeah. The C- the CC one ten. Which is a tr- clearly a trail. I mean, it's red. Um, it's clearly a trail, 110 or maybe a 125 as we're going to get in America. Does not excite me the same way that the Super Cub does. Because this looks like they only got 80% of the way done with it. it there's parts that are missing here. There's all kinds of elements that aren't on the bike. I think it's probably that I need. concept. This I is mean, a concept. Here's, prob- here's a CC 110. Yeah. That actually has like leg shields. I didn't see that. But a caged-in... Uh, okay. Caged-in motor? Uh, headlight, you know, kind of thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's okay. Caged in. Yeah, it's caged-in. Yeah. Yeah, all right. All right with you. Than, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right okay. Yep. Still going to say, no, no, low pipe, yeah. fail. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, low pipe fail, weird leg shields fail, weird body work not consistent with the CT it image. It looks like a slightly mm-hmm. ruggedized version of the this, Super Cub. This one has slightly the correct, uh, correct side cover assembly. The pipe is totally wrong. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go Super Cub. I gotta go Super Cub on this one for the blue color, the red seat, right. the original shape, the original identifiable thing. This to me does not get it with the CC110. No bueno. The uh, that's with the high pipe. I yeah, that's yeah. with the high pipe, and mm-hmm. but the body section in the middle still looks like it wants to be a Suzuki. I just want it to be a tube. I know. Nothing. Yes, thank you. That's that's the the essence of it is to be a tube. Mm-hmm. Maybe with that wrap around that gray wrap thing around the tube. That's very sexy. I like those. Yeah, like a C two hundred. Yeah, no C two. Yeah, yeah the, the, the little gray wrap. So anyway, there's that. Um, yeah, well, so I'm happy okay. with what I mean. I'm not dissatisfied with it. I no, don't really need to get no. a 
CC125, but if they do come up... Dude, I mean, how I'll, cool... I'll look right. at it. I mean, I'll look at it. Yeah, it that's depends. pretty cool. I mean, but this this one catches my eye. It, it, it gets yeah. me in all the right places. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's like one of those things. Like, some people like... Like sport bikes, some people like Harley's, whatever. But this bike to me is just what I like. I and think it's hilarious that after, so what's the biggest bike you've owned? Twelve hundred CCs, right? I had a Valkyrie Interstate. Oh shit! Well, then you get a Valkyrie Interstate. It's not like a big measuring contest, so So fifteen hundred CC, but you're getting very excited about a one hundred and twenty-five CC. Because I could do everything with yeah, it. I so could cool. go anywhere on it. That's pretty fucking cool, I could park it anywhere. I, you know, I could take it on trails where, I mean, and I like my Africa twin. I'm going to say it's probably the only it. podcast in America that respects and totally appreciates. And I've been mocked out so many times sitting on the road on yeah. my, you know, my yellow seaside. Yeah, yellow passport. Right. People roll down the window <laughs> and they just... Yell things at me like, like I'm the biggest asshole on the road. Get a real bike, what? fag. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they they say that all the time. But you know what? And then I beat them to death with my purse. Now, yeah. now you'll almost be able to keep up with them. Yeah. Right. Well, and but but you know who's like, smart? I mean, I can get through a town. I play a game every yeah. when I ride my my passports home from work. Yeah, it's twenty like twenty eight miles to yeah. go from on the back roads to home. So I play a game, let's see who could get through the lights faster. That's right. So I can go, I could split lanes, I can get between cars, I can, like, I always move my way in, I'm, I always time the lights so I can, I'm almost at maximum yeah. velocity. When the light changes, I can skirt right between them. I mean, it's easy on the zero. Yeah. Well, but it's not easy yeah. with a 70cc well, bike. With a zero, you have more infinite fun. torque. Torquemus right. maximus. But... But I could get through this congested city, oh, yeah. or any congested city, faster on my 70, or on my Ruckus, oh, or on whatever, than yeah. any big bike that I had. In the early 90s, so. I used to have to go from Warrensville Center Road, right by John Carroll University, to West 133rd Street in Lorraine every day. That was my commute, was from the east side suburbs to the west side suburbs, yeah. right through the middle of Cleveland. And at the time, I was riding a Honda 250 Elite. So I was riding a CH250 Elite with this, you know, audio, stereo, windshield, the whole thing, riding it year-round. And I would come upon this guy on a Katana-ish sport bike, and I noticed that he and I were basically on the same schedule. And I'd run into this guy about Little Italy kind of, you know, place point. So I'd run into this guy on the east side of Cleveland, and he and I would be on the same track, same course, through downtown, and then out Lorraine to the west side. And at some point, he pulls up next to me and he goes, you got your scooter, huh? Uh, yeah, and you know what happens then. You know, it's a dick measuring contest. And at one point I was like, well, I'm going to bet you that I can beat you. And it's true that you can. So a 250cc 10-inch wheeled scooter can, in fact, in some scenarios, beat a 600cc motorcycle. And it's just the ability to put yourself in the right place in traffic at the right time. And a scooter can get between those two cars. A scooter can get next to the curb. A scooter can get to the front of the line in traffic. Whereas the motorcycle just can't necessarily go there. And some of it is, some of it is spatial and some of it is spiritual. And 
you can go places with a scooter and get kind of that look of forgiveness, like a oh, poor fucker's on a scooter. Okay, we'll let him go. Yeah, you right? just look at yeah. him and go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, They're like, hey, you just cut me off. <laughs> okay, fine. You and your free former fucking <laughs> skateboard helmet. <laughs> Proceed. <laughs> hockey goal. <laughs> Proceed gaily, Timmy. <laughs> Proceed gaily. Mm-hmm. And that's that's kind of the weird thing where scooters and monkey bikes and all these weird little bikes, they're fucking cool. Like I, I'm willing to admit that I'm willing to be a dork I'm, and embrace yeah. it and embrace yeah. it hard. Like we yeah. say, undercompensating for the past thirty. I fucking usually years. say nothing because I think you know the guy yells at me and I'm I'm thinking, who's got bigger balls to right. ride around on a seventy cc scooter? At 25 degrees with shorts on yeah. and, you know, whatever. I mean, I don't a really green care. Hat. Yeah, I, I really don't care what you say to me. I had an incident like that on, on my Superhawk. Yes. Like, okay. A classic. I pulled up. This was like when Barrio or something first opened. It was one of the places along Lake, you know. Madison. I mean, Serpico rode a fucking Superhawk. I roll up on a Superhawk. Yeah. And this four-foot-tall fucker walks up to me <laughs> and asks me, what's that, a moped? I'm like under me it is. Yeah, I size him up. I see his Harley Davidson boots or whatever and everything. I'm like, you know what? I'm just not even going to talk to this person, right? At fucking all. That's the only way I win here. Yeah, because I can't say anything nice to him. All I can do is I'm not even off my bike with my helmet off, and he's fucking insulting me. I'm just like whatever. Kick my helmet off. If you can't appreciate a '67 Super, yeah, but I'll tell you're you the something. Retard. You're the problem. You yeah. take you take any one of those bikes. You take that Super Hawk to a bike night. You take like I will ride my CL175 oh, yeah. or my CB175 to a bike night. You walk away, and every single fucking person walks up there and they start talking about. I, that's what I started on. I yes. love that bike, you yeah. know. And people go around those bikes and look at them. Because who wants to look at another Harley? Yeah. I mean, there's a sea of Harleys, and it's like, you're not, you're the same as everybody else in this whole lot. And somebody sees a CB175, and they're like, or a, you know, Superhawk or a, whatever. They walk up to it, or like a, a Moto Guzzi, or your, uh, your drifter. They'll walk up to your drifter and t- walk around and talk about it versus every other generic Harley. I mean, Harleys are like generic. Yeah. Anymore. Well, Just and like as this I said, here in this they've become Hondas. They've become <clears throat> Hondas. Everything they we were joking. We got a catalog here that's pretty funny. That's called Hair Glove Social Outlaw and Co. That somebody somebody's got this idea for a business, and it is to it is to leather apparel and Harley Davidson pirate accessories uh, lifestyle. They have Aldi shopping bags that are done with like skulls on them and shit, so you can like recycle but do it in a like edgy and there's nothing in that conformist fashion book that will make your motorcycle better. No, it'll just make you a worse human. It's the costume. It's a, it's it's a costume catalog. It is a costume catalog. No, it is exactly. Wait a minute, guys. Yeah. I'm, I'm leaving through here. There's, this has ultraviolet protection. Ultraviolet <laughs> protection. <laughs> On your DOT-rated bandana. All right, here's a, here's a yeah. challenge. Is wait, there, wait. Is glow, there, this one's glow-in-the-dark. Glow-in-the-dark skull face mask. <laughs> is there anything reflective. in that catalog that you would buy? Oh, good challenge. While he's talking about that, Chris pointed out the Royal mm. Enfield Classic 500 Pegasus Edition. Oh, God. Pegasus, which means bur, uh, horse with wings, not horn. Uh <laughs> 
<laughs> as opposed to the Pegacorn edition, which Thanks. is slightly more Camaro. Uh, the Pegasus edition. Pegacorn condition. The Pegasus oh, edition is an Royal Enfield C5, but with a black motor and a military colored uh, bodywork. Mm-hmm. Some brown, um, let's use the term canvas bags on the back. That's looking extremely, I mean, this is looking very much Indian military issue. Even though the Indian military did refuse the fuel-injected bikes for their own military <clears throat> because fuel injection was a tool Illegal. of the devil. It was too high polluting. <laughs> it was too high polluting. <laughs> they wanted 350cc carbureted bikes, thank you very much. Um, but the 500s were mostly built for export. So this is a... Um, is that cow skin on the back? No, it appears to be actual height of the Naga. And then the tan, though, appears to be some sort of canvas or waterproofed other material. It is straight up a military like a military vehicle, including... Oh, it's great. And then including some like superfluous military stickers, like a yellow sticker on the side of the engine cases. The engine cases on a normal Royal Enfield are done in uh, a shiny, polished sort of pot metal. And then the cylinders are... <laughs> Aluminium with normal size heads. The cylinders on these are black. The heads are black. The head, the header, and the down tube and the exhaust, which normally turns purple in the middle, is black. And then the engine cases themselves appear to be painted or powder coated the same color. Green, brown, green. and green. Green. <laughs> green. Od. Over dirt. Um, yeah. So that's all the same color, green, or brown. Uh, with a kickstart. Did Chris order two already? C5. <laughs> is that, is that the twin or the single? It's a single. Okay. It is and single, which means it exists on the planet Earth and you can ride it, as opposed to the twin, which does not. Um, twin's still not out? Nope. It was just a fantasy? Just for the past three years, they just made a they few of them. Good. They trotted them out. They look beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just can't buy one uh, yet, I guess. Um, bad copy, a total of 1,000 units of Royal Enfield Classic 500 Pegasus Edition, would that be Pegasi? <clears throat> were made worldwide, out of which 250 units made their way to India. India. No, no. How made they, their way to India. Where were they made? <laughs> Where'd they start? <laughs> I'm confused. Me too. <laughs> The online sale of the World War II-inspired motorcycle started at 4 p.m. yesterday at the company's official India website. Now, granted, this news is as fresh as July 26th. (laughs) (laughs) Of 2000, the year 18? It's this year, 2000, our Lord, Lord, 18. (laughs) In uh, 18. Um, Anyway, they made a 1,000 units of the military-inspired Pegasi, which uh, 250 were allocated for India. Um, they were sold out in 178 seconds. <laughs> That's now, nearly three minutes. It's nearly three minutes. Wow. Almost three minutes. Mm-hmm. What Say what for? you will. I've, so, I've sold out in that time before. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> if the wind's blowing the right way. Uh, okay. They were on a first-come, first-serve basis. Talk about that, too. <laughs> yeah. A lot of right. spurs. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it How took much, its... though? It did take... Uh, Two a rupee shillings, 2.39. 2.39 rupee shilling. L-A-K-H. On the road in Chennai. Dude, I've given up on translating Indian currency. I'm no good at it. You can pick up your iPhone and whatever. It's rupee shilling, R-S, 2.39 L-A-K-H. 
this is like farthings to me. This is like, yeah, I cannot... I cannot do math on this like this. So All right, stones. anyway. What's a stone? It, 14 weigh? pounds, right? Is it? I think so. Yeah. What's a Steinway? A so. big good piano. <laughs> good piano. <laughs> That's it. Uh, okay, the Royal Enfield Classes 500 Pegasi Edition takes its inspiration from the Royal Enfield WD Flying Flea 125 motorcycle from <laughs> the World War II. But, uh, but they're historically correct. And, and by the way, nothing strikes fear into the heart of an enemy combatant like the Flying Flea. Yeah. But, they, but they landed in on the what? Huh? They landed in on the gliders. Oh, they came in on gliders? Uh-huh. They did. So gliders, the second worst idea by the military <laughs> ever. Put a flea in there with it. Put a flying flea in there with it. It's like a whole package of fail. Designed to hit a tree at 80 miles an hour and kill everybody on board. Except the flea. Right. What was the last thing that went through the glider pilot's mind? A flying flea. I I would not want to be a glider pilot. Or in the glider. Uh, Okay, anyway. uh, The flying flea motorcycle from World War II that was used by British paratroopers. The extremely lightweight nature of the motorcycle enabled it to be dropped from an airplane into the battlefield. For this reason, the bike used to come enclosed in a cage. So it was in a, in a bit of a shipping crate, basically an exoskeleton around the Flying Flea 125 motorcycle. And to honor it, they've created, no, they've painted an existing 500cc motorcycle showing a bit of a spiritual homage, but not much structural authenticity. Hmm. Anyhow, well done for them. They've sold them out in less than three minutes. And by the time the article was written and the ink was dry or the pixels got done gyrating, they said that the uh, they would like to thank them for their patronage and support at the time of this writing. So, well done, you. Uh, good job, Royal Enfield, on that. Um, again, are we sure Royal Enfield really did that? I don't well, understand how they're going to India. The 25 are going to India from their natural birthplace in Vietnam. Uh, right, exactly. Not Coventry. Uh, yeah, so that, who's calling the shop at 10.36 p.m.? Must be an you know, this is a quality buyer. I almost want to take the call just for fun. Let's Hi. Cleveland Moto, may I help you? Yes, exactly. Call from a misguided consumer. This is Ben. It could be called from John Cochran. JC. The time's right. Oh. Yeah, oh. remember, we got a member. We better we hurry member up. Down. Man down, man down phone. in Florida, John Cochran. And he was texting, and he put my hand on Superhost's yeah. body. His thumbs are working. Cleveland, <laughs> we may I help you? So here's Phil. He's back. So Live on the line. No, I'm sorry. This is not Cleveland Motel. This is Cleveland Moto. But for two <laughs> motorcycle night, shop. you could live in the back of my ambulance. <laughs> Do you sell scooters? No, we're uh, we a motorcycle shop. What you want is a motel, and it sounds like you need one in a hurry. All right. Thank you. Have a great day. We do get a disturbing number. One of the uh, one of the last existing one of the last existing yellow pages on Earth, I guess. Yeah. People still people of a certain price point still do get yellow pages and still use them. And one of these fly by night yellow pages has us listed as Cleveland Motel. Mm. <laughs> And so we get, and we you get can have a, so much fun with that. We have a lot of. We <laughs> We're going to need your driver's license and your. We get a remarkable <laughs> amount of traffic here for Cleveland hour. Motel, mm-hmm. and people do quite frequently ask if we have hourly rates. Wow. Sure. 
Yes, and this person was... Yes, we do. It's 90 bucks an hour. And this person... <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you can rent my Lyft for $90 an hour. You should put but, like the crates with the motorcycles yes. in the back. And yes. You those out like put one, two, three, and rest That's what they do in... That's called the San Francisco Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can get like 200 a night that, for that. That person a, is probably wondering like, tenderloin. Well, this has to be a motel. Why would a motorcycle shop be answering the phone at 10.30 At 10.30 at night, yeah. exactly. And I pick up the phone. I say Cleveland Moto, and they go, "Yeah, I need a, uh, I need a, I need a room." <laughs> that was the conversation that just happened, and I said, "It sounds like you need one in a hurry." But we are not a motel. We are a motorcycle shop. So yeah, I don't know. I, some somehow we got listed as a motel. In some motel. ridiculous publication. A no-tell motel. We also get a lot of phone calls for people looking that think we're a towing company. Somehow, in some book somewhere mm. that I don't get. Some some deep, dark branch of the internet that only comes through on your cricket. dark net. Uh, <laughs> thinks that we're a towing, like a car towing company. So we get a lot of phone calls for people looking for vehicle recovery. Like, I'm on the side of the road and the cop's going to take my car if you don't come and get it right now. Oh, you're fucked. I'm like, 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, that's what I usually, say. Yeah, I usually say. Hang in there, baby. Yeah, give me your credit card number right now over the phone. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's that. Three-digit code. And, uh, yeah, I mean, your C, yeah, give me your, your code in the back. CVV code, right. So that's it. Anybody got anything else? It's been a long podcast, two and a half well, hours. We're yeah. setting new standards. Yep. We are we are setting new standards for what motorcycle podcasts are all about. Apparently, you can order Easter Easter kielbasa from Chris. That's easy for you to say. (laughs) What did Basa ever do to you? Um, So there's that. I'm gonna kill him. I'm gonna kill Basa. All right, guys. If you ain't got nothing else, ride fast and take chances. Press the button.